the Augustin Hozinga Show with your host Augustin Hozinga. Smack the shit out your bitch ass midget girlfriend, nigga. <laughs> Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Agostino Zynga Show with I, your host, Agostino Zynga. Welcome back to the Agostino Zynga Show with I, your host, Agostino Zynga. And this is episode number 736, I think. I think it's 736. If it isn't 736, I apologize, but I'm pretty sure it's 736. I don't know why whenever I record these shows, I always kind of get the numbers wrong. I don't know if it's just me being too excited to hear the sound of my own voice because there is something a bit perverse. There is something a bit weird. Like there's not a day that doesn't go by. Honestly, I swear on my life. There's not a day that goes by where I don't think I'm an absolute nutter for sitting here for 700 plus episodes, soon to be 1000, right? This year, I'm going to hit 1000 episodes of just me talking. On the random show, I have some guests online, you know, big up my guy Rodeo, and I'll probably have a few others. But on the Agostino Zynga show, it's just me talking into a microphone for a minimum of one hour for 700 plus episodes. That is absolutely unhinged. That is a form of mental illness. You know how they have that meme now? There's that meme that goes around the internet, right? There's that meme where they say, if you're a young lady or if you're a young man, whatever you like out there, right? And you walk into... And you walk into a um, and you walk into somebody's house for the first time, right? You're about to hook up. Um, you want to go back to their house and you want to do some 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 fun things, right? Some adult fun. There's a meme that goes around that says, if you walk into somebody's place and you see one of these, you should run. <laughs> People say this on, online. It's like a meme at the moment. If you walk into somebody's house and you see a focus right Scarlet, right, which is basically an audio interface that most podcasters and live streamers like myself use to plug in your microphone and stuff. If you see one of these in somebody's apartment or home, you should run. It's a big red flag. And I have to be honest, as somebody that sits inside his home or his parents' basement covered in Cheeto dust, talking into a microphone for 700 plus episodes, I think I'm a walking red flag. I'm not going to lie. I actually do think I'm a walking red flag. Like, I really am a walking red flag. Like, a guy like myself, right? Having no, like, big social group, no real big amount of friends, consistently inside, permanently online, and recording 700 plus episodes of me talking to myself into a microphone, that legitimately is a form of mental illness. And you know what? I'm perfectly fine with it. Because I think last year I discovered I got ADHD. I think live on a stream, I think random show. I think I was on one of my most turn up nights, right? Because I usually get accused whenever I'm doing a random show and I'm really rambling and I'm really turned up and I'm really talking a hundred miles per hour, no breaks, run on sentences until run on sentences for run on sentences again and again and again. People often accuse me of being on meth. 
people often accuse me of being on drugs. People often accuse me of being on speed or being on coke or being on crack live on air, which I can definitely say without a shadow of a doubt, apart from maybe a DJ stream, I don't think I've ever ingested even alcohol on a stream. It's very, very rare that I do that, but I do like when people suggest it because it's fun and I do like to lean into it because why not? You know, it's good to be a little bit of a rock star. It's good for people to think that, you know, I'm doing edgy things on stream, which I'm obviously not, but maybe I am who knows no point of clarifying but usually when I'm turned up and I'm really ready to go I'm rambling I'm talking super passionately about stuff and it's just me there's no one else here yes there's you guys sometimes who are maybe watching live or maybe you're listening after the fact I'm kind of picturing talking to you from across the table somewhere but it's a bit of a one-way conversation so I understand why there are some people out there especially women who look at a focus right scarlet audio interface and they say if they see one of these at somebody's house on a desk somewhere that's a red flag and i understand why i really understand why because that's strange it's sort of equivalent to like imagine if you went to a guy's house right and they had one of these um what's that um green grass wall restaurant like do you know restaurants have this wall design that that's usually kind of like you know um mostly focus on like girls like it's to get girls to post stuff on instagram there'll be like a really trendy cool restaurant or cocktail bar and they'll have like a grass wall or something right where you can take pictures imagine if you walked into a guy's house and he has that inside his actual apartment imagine if he has like you know he has like a wall with like neat like a neon sign like that says like you know every day i try harder one step to the future my love is your love imagine if you walk into a guy's house and he had like a neon sign on his wall he has like a you know a grass wall he has one of these things um do you remember this i think most metropolitan cities have this um butterfly butterfly graffiti do you know what i'm talking about here wall these little things in tourist spots where girls take pictures in front of Imagine you walk into a guy's space and he has one of these on his wall. He has like a design of a butterfly on the wall where you can stand and take a picture and a selfie. That should be a red flag as well because that is obviously bait. That's like, that's like, um, that's fop bait. <laughs> that is fop bait. That is absolute fop bait, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's it. That's it. Um, big up NJ Ranger. No, Angel Wings. That's the one. Angel Wings butterfly. That's the one. Angel Wings. That is fucking fop bait, right? angel wings graffiti on the wall is fucking fop bait so i think the same thing can be said there we go big up andrew ranger there we go that's the one imagine you go into a guy's flat and he's got this you go into a guy's house a guy's apartment and he's got that this and a focus right you should run if you're a young lady a young man out there and you're dating if you see any of these things on somebody's wall you should probably run a neon sign butterfly graffiti angel wings or a, or a grass wall, you should probably run and a focus right. And I think, unfortunately, these last few days, I have realized that I am a living, breathing fucking red flag. I am a red flag. I realize I'm a red flag. And you know what I've realized because I'm a red flag this year? I've made a promise. Well, I've, one, one of my resolutions that I'm kind of adding going on now is this. I'm going to be somebody who doesn't let people down. I feel like last year, I let down a lot of people. I let down a lot of people by just, you know, flaking on meetups and stuff and just generally being very unreliable and kind of, you know, my usual 
closeted keeping myself to myself type of thing i've always been a bit of a lone wolf i've always been a bit of a lone actually you know what i wouldn't say lone wolf i've always been a bit of a loner i've always been a bit of a weirdo so maybe content online has kind of been my natural place to kind of hide and be comfortable in because you know there's loads of other freaks and weirdos online too like you guys who are listening to me or watching me and stuff yeah you're all freaks and weirdos in your own way so maybe there's a bit of like you know there's a bit of um connection there right a rapport there because we understand each other but I think outside of that, in real life, you know, regular people probably see me and think, this guy's a fucking weirdo. Why doesn't he want to meet up? Why doesn't he want to go here? Why does he want to come for a drink? All these normal things that people do, I don't do. And for a long time, I used to always complain, or not complain, I used to be a bit annoyed when I would log into Instagram, especially my main account, and I'd see all my kind of old friends I used to hang out with when I was like, you know, what, between ages of like 16 and 21 and they're all still friends now they go they go for drinks they go on holidays together they go to festivals together and i'm sitting there sometimes i'll be randomly because you know instagram is fucking a bitch like that right you don't open it for ages and then you open it and it shows you a life update of somebody that you used to know and it's like fuck you know you know this information about them and then um i'll be sitting there to myself and for a brief second a thought will come into my head like why didn't they invite me why didn't they ask me to come but then immediately after i'll be like but you wouldn't go anyway you know so i completely understand and you know in life nobody waits for you no one's waiting around for you to accept an invitation life goes on people move on other people come along you can't expect everyone to just like put their life on pause for you you're not that special you're not that great nobody fucking cares so it makes complete sense why people just decide to move on and do their lives but i'm also i also can't take any pride or gratitude from that because it is kind of bad that i'm consistently the person that doesn't show up that doesn't follow through that doesn't keep their word um and just isn't there for people when they kind of need me or when they ask for because you know i don't ask people for anything i don't ask anybody for anything i'm definitely somebody that would rather die than ask somebody for help but if somebody does ask me for something i would like to think i'm the person that would drop everything for that person you know even though i don't like to ask people for nothing i feel like if somebody asked me i would do whatever it took to make that person happy or to follow through for them or to be there for them but i can't lie i haven't been that way recently i've been really crap you know i've been really shit and i feel like last year was one of my worst years last year i was super super selfish like incredibly selfish like ridiculously selfish to the point where like it was very toxic you know i don't need to explain myself i'm doing my own thing who are they to like ask me for an explanation you're not the boss of me blah 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 like i would see a request or i would see an invitation to go out as some sort of like as like as like as like an order you know how messed up my brain was like hey do you want to hang out it's like i'm seeing that as somebody ordering me around or like basically um you know um cannibalizing my time and stuff and you know thinking my time is more precious than someone else's time right putting my time up on a pulpit and somebody else's time down in the gutter which obviously isn't the case so this year one of my one of my um, new year's resolutions apart from all the stuff that i've written on my twitter about reading loads of books about running about making sure that i'm nice and skinny to fit into my balenciaga my rick owens one of my main goals i've got on there just in terms of a lifestyle you know outlook on life is to just not let people down that's my main thing like if i say yes to something i'm just gonna let, not let somebody down regardless of what it is i think that's so important um especially the other day um went out for dinner the other day and this is a really strange observation went out for dinner the other day and there was a person next next sitting on the next table right waiting for a friend clearly they, they got to a restaurant and they were at first i didn't realize that they were sitting at the bar first then they went to sit at a table 
And I lied. I kid you not. That person was sitting there, combination of the bar and the table, waiting for their friend for like 45 minutes. And I remember sitting there just thinking to myself, like, it was making me angry that they were sitting there on their own, waiting for their friend for 45 minutes. But they seemed perfectly fine. I was like, what kind of friend would leave somebody just waiting for 45 minutes? Like, how rude of you to you know, disrespect somebody's time like that. Like you agree to meet at a certain time and here you are just leaving them to sit there and wait for you at a restaurant for 45 minutes. And then I immediately realized, I was like, oh shit, that's what I do. And people ask me to come somewhere and go to a place, right? Um, and I don't show up or I don't follow through or I cancel last minute. That's the same equivalent of doing that. And I thought to myself, I don't want to be that guy because I would never be that guy. I would never just leave somebody waiting for me for 45 minutes. Maybe I won't come and I'll say I'm not going to come last minute, but I'm not going to let you leave you just there at the dinner table. Like it looks so odd. And then just before I was about to leave, the person that they were meeting came and like oh hey how are you hugs and stuff like everything is normal i was like nah i couldn't do that man i couldn't do that to somebody i couldn't lead them to just sit there and twiddle their thumbs i respect people's time too much like that but i also think maybe that's the reason why i've always been a bit guarded when it comes to having friends anyway i feel like deep down um i've got a lot of unaddressed trauma (laughs) from like being let down by or maybe um that one story that i've got that's very pathetic about when i was like how old was i i think i must have been like I swear to God, I think I might have been like 10 or 11 or something, right? Um, there was these kids in my in my area that I was friends with and shit. And, um, you know, we were all kind of friends. We were cool. We were playing football. And then this new guy moved in. He was my neighbor called John. He's the same guy that I talked about on a podcast where he was a dude who, like, pretended he was hooking up with a girl in his room. But he was actually, you know, humping a pillow to show off to us or something. It was a very strange dude anyway. Very, very strange guy. But this this new kid called John moved into the to next door to our house. And he was the kid that moved in new, who was like the rich kid, right? His his parents had like two cars, which in that in my area was weird. His mum had a car, his dad had a car. They had an crazy like landscaped garden. Their front lawn was crazy. And again, these are things in a hoodie you don't see. People with pristine turf on their front lawn, pristine turf in the back garden and shit, right? House looking immaculate, two cars. He had all the latest trainers and shit. Super cool kid. So he came in when we were 10 this guy called john and for some reason i don't know why this happened but like he took everybody's like he took everyone's attention but for some reason it meant that i was pushed out like he was a new kid in school he was a new kid in the area not in school that everybody wanted to hang out with because he was cool and you had money and shit um and plus he was allowed to do what he wanted but then for some reason i got pushed out of social group i was not allowed in the friend group anymore i don't know what happened it's strange but then i didn't clock it i was like you know 11 10 so i didn't realize what was going on then every other day I started to see like no one was knocking for me because you know when we were kids back in the day you people would knock at you at the door hey come out or they would scream your name from the window from outside and I kept noticing no one was knocking for me I had to go out and find them like I'd go and find them in the park I'd find them around the corner I'd find them over there but I had to go out and find them before they'd just be like knocking for me but no one was knocking then one day I was like what the fuck is going on why no one knocking for me and I went outside to go look for them I couldn't find them finally find them and then they're like all acting cold towards me. It's like it's like a scene in an American movie. They all got their backs turned towards me, and I walk up to them and say, "Hey, man, what's going on? Can I like hang out with you guys?" And like like super innocent. Like imagine me with my big head on a small body, like nine, eleven, or ten years old. I'm like, "Hey, guys, do you want to be my friend? Let's hang out or something like that." <laughs> and they turned around and they're like, "Nah, we don't want to be your friend anymore, Agostina." Oh, I think it's, yeah, and I think back then, they, they called me Zinger. We don't, we don't want to be your friend, Zinger. 
We don't want to be your friend. And I was like, I started crying. <laughs> I went back, ran, I ran back home, started crying, right? Like again, the scene in the American movie. I ran back home, ran up the stairs, jumped on my bed and started bawling my eyes out, right? So I bawling my eyes out and my dad came into my room. My dad came into my room, right? My African dad and started shouting at me. He nearly started hitting me. <laughs> because i was crying my freaking dad was like what the fuck are you crying for man up no one cries like that fuck them they're not really your friends anyway why are you crying like he started blasting me for having feelings (laughs) i was like what what's happening man so i honestly think i swear to god this is really odd this is really odd but i saw my life i think that one instance that one little moment might be one of the reasons why I'm so closed off in real life, why I don't really have friends and stuff and why I kind of keep people at arm's distance, why I don't try to cultivate, nurture, you know, fucking relationships and take it from acquaintances to friend to like hangouts and friends. I just kind of keep it very small to people that I've kind of known for, you know, 20 plus years and stuff. I think that's one of the reasons why, because of that one minor fucking thing. Imagine it's so fucking insignificant. It's so fucking minor, happens all the time. But honestly, I swear for some reason that's made me the person i am but i'm not using that as an excuse like i said before this year's the year that i guess you know doesn't let people down so even though people let me down even though people come up against me and they spite me and they hurt my feelings i'm not gonna let them down that's my promise now going forward i'm gonna follow through for it so if you make a plan with me in real life and you want me to hang out you want us to hang out have a good time have adult fun i'm gonna i'm gonna follow through I'm going to follow through. I'm going to be there. Or if I can't be there, I'll let you know. But I'm not going to say I'm going to be there and not be there. You know, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep the promise to people because just because they didn't keep the promise to me, I'm going to keep the promise to them. I'm not going to turn that story into making me a villain. All right. That's what I'm not going to do. Anyway, moving on, moving on. Quick health update. So off the back of me having crazy sinus infections, guess what happened to me? My body is, I don't know if this is like a cool or if this is like a sign from the universe, I have to start running now because I realized when I was running, when I was doing like 20 to 30 miles per week, right? When I was running races, that's what I'm going to do this month. This this month is my first race I'm going to do. I'm going to do a 5K and I'm going to build it up. So 5, 10, um, half marathon, full marathon, and then keep doing it at the end of the month, each, each month, forever to give me something to kind of aim for. When I was running 20 to 30 miles per week, I swear on my life, even though I couldn't walk properly and I had, you know, really painful arch, foot arches and my knees were being fucked up and stuff. You know what I realized back in the day when I think about it, I wasn't getting as ill. Nowadays, I'm just lifting weights. I'm doing a bit of CrossFit and shit, but I feel like I'm getting way more ill now than I did before in the past. And this is a good (laughs) segue. Off the back of me having a crazy sinus infection, guess what happened to me recently? I had a crazy toothache to the point where the right side of my face was super swollen and it was throbbing and I felt like I was going to die. And I kept like, you know, when you're in so much pain in your teeth that you go to sleep, has that happened to you before? Well, you're in so much pain. You have so much teeth pain. Your jaw is fucking throbbing. It's so painful that it makes you go to sleep. It sends you to sleep. That's how painful it is. And sometimes it's so painful that you wake up from your sleep. So I wasn't sleeping that well for the last couple of weeks. Um, And then I finally, you know, standard man, I never got it checked out. I finally went to the fucking dentist to get it checked out. And guess what happened? I've got a rotten tooth. I have to get a fucking root canal done. 
one of my teeth at the bottom here has a fucking hole in it, which I didn't realize. And because recently I was trying to bite stuff and, you know, it would send, it would give me shivers. It would get, send shocks all over my fucking body. And now I realize I've got a fucking, I went to a dentist the other day and I'm going to go again on Monday to go get it taken out. I've got a fucking root canal. I've got to get a root canal. So basically the, the, the tooth at the bottom, the roots of it are, you know, spread into the gums are a bit decayed and shit. So I've got to get that done and checked up. But you know what really hurt about it? The price. <laughs> you know how much that is to get a root canal done? 300 pounds privately. Obviously, if you do it NHS, it's a bit cheaper, but the NHS takes ages to get through and shit. I want to get that sorted tomorrow. I'm going to be paying privately to get my root canal done and it's going to be a 300 pounds. But I deserve it. I deserve it. I deserve having to pay 300 pounds to get my teeth fixed because I neglected it. And it gets it for so long. I can't tell you the last time I went to a dentist. It might have been like 10 years ago. Last time I went to a dentist is fucking crazy. But you know what I feel really ashamed about? I feel really ashamed about this because I was the same person on this very podcast that sat here and said, I need to go to Turkey to go get new teeth. I went to go to Turkey and get fucking, you know, those big fucking fake porcelain teeth in my face, right? That's what I wanted to do. Everybody was getting those fucking big fucking massive teeth. I went to get them. Imagine how dumb I'd be to go to Turkey to go get my new teeth installed when I've got rotten teeth inside my mouth. The actual teeth in my mouth I'm not taking care of. And here I am going to fucking Turkey to go get a new set of teeth put in. That's shameful. Absolutely shameful. I'm actually embarrassed that I let my teeth get to that point, right? That they're rotting. Like I've got to get a fucking root canal done and shit. Because I think I went to the dentist and the guy basically said, hey, you got two options. Number one option. Um, no, number one option obviously is this. They gave me fucking um, antibiotics. I've got um, amoxicillin. These antibiotics I'm taking, right? These ones, you see that? Amoxicillin. I've got these, these tablets to help with the fucking, you know, um, gum disease or whatever's happening with the root canal. Um, I could just take these. And she said after a week, the pain will go away with flipping painkillers as well as a combination. It will go away and it'll be fine. The second option is to take the tooth out, which is 150 pounds. Just remove the whole tooth. Um, but then the issue is if you want to get that tooth re-put in, They've got to screw it. And I think they said to get a, a tooth screwed into your gums, it's like a thousand. So if you take it out, 150, it's cheap. But then to put a new teeth in there, it's like a thousand or something. And then option three is what I'm going to do on Monday or later on today, actually, is I'm going to go get a root canal done. So hopefully on Monday, they can save the tooth because that's what the dentist says. says you'd advise to save it. Um, if you can save a tooth, save it. So I'm going to go get my root canal done. But from this moment on, this is a sign for me to take my fucking tooth hygiene seriously because i thought i was pretty decent with it you know i usually brush in the morning and in the evening um i usually brush after every meal and stuff i thought generally my teeth were in pretty decent shape but i guess they're not especially if i've got a fucking hole in one of them so now i'm gonna have to get it done but honestly man i got to the point where irish sorry i got to the point where fucking ibuprofen wasn't working that's when i knew i had a problem i was taking should i confess should i be real with you guys and confess I think I was taking like 10 of these a day. Ibuprofen. <laughs> don't tell no one. I think I was taking like 10 of these. I was buying like, I don't know, a box a day to to quell the pain and it wasn't working. That's when I realized I had an issue. 
when I realized that the painkillers weren't working anymore, that's when I realized I had an issue. So I went to the dentist <laughs> on the Sunday. There was an emergency one. And um, yeah, man, they were able to kind of help me out. But how embarrassing is that for a guy? You have to get to a point where your teeth are naturally ro rotting for you to in it. Because there was a point where on Sunday where the side, you can't see it now, but there was a point on Sunday where the side of my face was swollen, like this bit was swollen here that like you could see like my face was like throbbing and I was starting to get like a headache and shit I was like oh my god man but yeah hey you know I'm just letting you guys know that because some of you guys out there think I'm perfect right you think I don't have any flaws <laughs> but this is the truth of my life the truth of my life is that man the truth of my life is that I have to get a root canal done uh because i probably what my diet i don't think my diet is even that bad to be fair i just think i didn't take care of my teeth i swear to god i don't even think it's to do with my diet it's not like i'm sitting it's not like i wake up and eat fucking licorice every day um i don't drink fizzy drinks you know i only really drink water um i barely have booze i, I only when i go out really for the most part i don't really have booze at home i never really have beers or whatever i just think it's actually worse than that it's just i just didn't take proper care of my teeth like i thought i did so now i'm gonna have to get those done but i just can't believe i was gonna get turkish delights i was gonna go to turkey to go get you know enap no what's that porcelain teeth put in my face when the actual teeth i've got in my in my fucking mouth are already rotten and shit it doesn't make any sense but um what can you do people in the chat saying it's the cat <laughs> big up cast iron pan it's the cat <laughs> I'm not drinking the ketamine, man. That's just going up my nostril, allegedly. It's not the fucking ket. It's too much cornbread. Yeah, big up, Alexander. If you know, you know about that cornbread. <laughs> if you know, you know about that cornbread. Cornbread. Oh, but big up the chat. You guys are fucking hilarious. Um, <laughs> uh, Chris Max says, if you're having new teeth bolted on your jaw, they have to put a cavity of flesh in your gums to, oh my God. They have to put a cavadier flesh in your gums to hold the implant. Okay, Chris Mack, thank you for that. Cheers so much. Cheers. <laughs> oh, big up, um, big up Theodore. Sorry, I just saw your super chat there. Let me replay that. Big up, big up Theodore. One second, let's see if it plays. Oh, whoops, is it not playing? Why is the chat? Why is the thing not playing there? Let's do it one more time. For some reason, your super chat isn't playing for you. Though. Apologies for that, brother. Can you hear that now? Nope. Okay, cool. Either way, too many tater tats, too little flossing. Exactly, Theodore. Exactly, Theodore. Exactly. I didn't really take care of my teeth. No enough, you know, I need to get that check out. But thank you for the super chat, brother. I appreciate you so much. Uh, moving on. So, I've been thinking about my mortality. <laughs> we don't close. <laughs> Big up. Okay, there we go. It's there. Can you hear that now? Yeah, you can hear that. Uh, okay, I don't know why it's not playing, but regardless. Um, big up Matthew Malone. I had a similar situation to your kid's story. Fucked me up into adulthood and makes me apprehensive to meet new people. Oh, thank you. Okay, thank you, Matthew. I thought I was on my own there. I thought I was on my own. I thought I was a psycho. But it's good to know I'm not the only one that had a... I think maybe there's a part of me that's trying to minimize how traumatic that experience was by saying it's not a big deal. But maybe if I'm in my adulthood now and I'm still suffering from that, that probably shows it's a big deal. 
<laughs> that's probably proof that it's a big deal but big up matthew man we got you we got each other brother we got each other right we got each other we're gonna get through this we're gonna get through this koila last night was mad real <laughs> zinger took 10 out <laughs> actually um for the guys in the chat for the guys and girls in the chat the druggies in the chat don't peels fuck up your teeth isn't that true? Don't if you take loads of like prescription pills, don't don't they eventually fuck up your teeth? Or am I or am I thinking of lean? What's that drug that you guys have in America that fucks up your teeth weirdly? I don't know what I'm thinking of. Is it pills? Or is it lean? Maybe it's lean because there's sugar. I don't know which one it is. It's opioids, definitely. Something fucks up your teeth. They make your bones brittle so your teeth fall out. <gasps> God damn. Vitamin meth. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> fucks your stomach yeah your liver meth 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 okay cool you know what should we just do this quickly because i just want to quick quickly check this let's see what what this does let's see what this does let's let's do this let's do meth teeth meth teeth let's do this what happens if we, if we search this meth teeth what do we get on google images apologies if you're eating right now please look away from the screen if you're eating right now and you're watching this please look away from the screen anywhere you are if you're eating something please look away from the screen Let's see what images say. Meth teeth. Ooh! Wow. God almighty. Look at these pictures of people that are allegedly on meth. Look at their teeth. Oh my God. Oh my God. Jesus Christ, bro. Imagine. Meth. How tasty is meth? Meth must taste like fucking double chocolate chip cookies because how would you let your teeth get is the meth high that good i've never had meth to be fair i wonder if it's actually that good that it would let you get your teeth that to just die this case jesus christ meth must be so good man the high must be amazing because i could never do it let your teeth get that way okay um big up mm what's good my mm my g my lady my friend what are you saying um that's if you smoke it trips are fine because it's not in entry okay cool so I guess if you do that, that's only if you smoke. Jesus, they should have just popped an ad exactly in bath salts. All I see is British shit con stars. <laughs> you know what, Alexander Martin, you're right. That was that is very British of me, isn't it? That is very British of me to have like a root canal, right? To have a root canal issue. That's a very British thing of me that I've got, even though my teeth look decent enough, there's issues going on behind the scenes. That's probably a really good uh, summation there. That's my Britishness coming out my fucked up teeth <laughs> anyway moving on so um just a quick one really a little heads up this is a gofundme for robert Maguire, the guy i spoke about on the podcast also known as life by kaizen who was quite well known within my circle of people anyway because i'm in the you know techno dance you know nightclub nightlove scene and he was very very popular in the berlin scene over there um he's also part of a collective um called drift kiev that did a lot of parties um all across europe and shit and you know he was obviously from here in the uk but he moved to berlin a while ago and he really kind of cemented his place there in that scene unfortunately he passed away recently and somebody from his family set up a gofundme so far they've exceeded the goal of ten thousand. it's now at fifteen thousand. but i just thought i'd share 
share it anyway and kind of like let you guys know that you can kind of donate if needs be if you're somebody that knows him or maybe somebody that kind of saw me covering his passing on the podcast and maybe you know him for extension i definitely recommend you check out the gofundme i'll put the link obviously in the description for you guys that want to check it out and um yeah check it out if that may be the way um a loving farewell for robert mcguire r.i.p to him really really sad that he passed um again i didn't know the guy personally i just knew him through his instagram and the podcast that he did called das techno team um and the other host that he did the show with as well i can't imagine how he's feeling and what he's going through with his passing but you know it's good to see that they're doing a gofundme for him and raising some money the interesting thing i want to speak about here and just as again not to be insensitive and again you know hopefully this doesn't come across rude but i thought the caption this was really interesting and again maybe you don't i don't have a right to say anything because somebody passed and their family can do what they want but i thought this was interesting can i just read this bit about the caption of the gofundme so it says we are heartbroken following robert's tragic death on december 18th our family want to bring him home to the uk to say goodbye and celebrate his life rob was a beautiful soul who touched so many people's lives his infectious positivity kindness extended beyond the borders of our countries he meant so much to so many people and the flight and shining star that was rob will always be remembered in our hearts any donations that you spare will be highly appreciated and the money raised will go to um the towards flights and accommodation for his parents to bring rob home funeral services and formalities in berlin and international legal fees we've been blown away by the support and outpouring of love as shown by rob's friends and colleagues old and new we are going to arrange a celebratory occasion that will be able to accommodate those who are able to come we anticipate there'll be a large event held in london early next year your donations will be contribute to this celebration occasion for rob once more thank you for your support and beautiful tribute so this guy most likely again with all respect with all respect with all respect with all respect this guy most likely passed away as a consequence of nightlife culture, right? And maybe getting lost in the source. It's a common thing that happens in nightlife, especially in Berlin, where it's essentially the mecca of clubbing. It's the place where everybody goes to really kind of enjoy um, nightlife and club culture the way it's meant to be enjoyed. The clubs are open super long. The culture around drugs and drinks is really fucking grown up and civilized and mature and whatever it may be. So, and some of the best DJs in the world play there is home of techno blah 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 you know the deal when it comes to berlin so most likely most likely you would assume again i don't know the guy i'm just talking out here podcast please forgive me if i come across insensitive most likely you would assume either it was a really freak um you know accident or something that happened in terms of you know maybe you got a cardiac arrest or something really crazy or an aneurysm or most likely it was the effects of a party lifestyle that led to this guy's unfortunate passing don't Am I in the wrong for thinking it's a bit weird that this guy's passing and they want to do a celebratory rave birthday part, like party or something to celebrate his life when that was a thing that maybe led to his, you know, um, early demise or early passing? Is that strange or is this just normal when somebody passes, you want to remember them in their shiniest light, in their brightest light and maybe the brightest light was remembering him in that knife light scene? And maybe I don't have any right to say what I'm saying. I don't know. I just saw that bit of the GoFundMe description and I was like, if he passed away because of nightlife and it took you like, I don't know. Does that seem strange to celebrate somebody's life who passed away because of clubbing 
to celebrate it in a, again i don't know what, what they mean by it but when they say celebrate celebration an event a large event will be held in london i'm assuming it's going to be some sort of rave some sort of party there'll be djs there'll be drinking there'll be drugs so people will be honoring this guy's death by what doing lines by having pills it's like is that odd or am i the one that's odd i don't know i really don't know but i saw that bit of the gofundme and i was like <sighs> yeah strange isn't it but then i also think i also think maybe this is a part of the grieving process that i have no ish insight on because this is not a close friend of mine this is not a family member of mine so yeah big up um nj ranger appreciate you shout out to his family david getta <laughs> that's that's if if i thought i was being insensitive that is majorly insensitive nj ranger i thought i was being bad that is disgusting that is deplorable and i hope you know you're going to hell with me as well don't worry we're both going to hell we're going to hold each other's hands but that is disgusting <laughs> that is honestly disgusting we're both going to hell but that is awful 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 but big up angel angel appreciate you um theodore exactly theodore everybody copes in different ways though that's what i'm thinking that's why i think i feel like a bit bad for saying what i said because i think this when it comes to somebody passing the way you cope with it is the way you cope with it there is no right or wrong way um and there isn't anything anybody can say really you know like it's not really my place to say anything but i just felt like when i saw it the first thing that came to my mind when i read it was like um i don't know you know i don't know i don't know um matthew malone in ireland we essentially have a party for the person that passes after a funeral but maybe contextually insensitive in this instance but maybe we'd had no exactly yeah i get that matthew malone that makes sense but you understand what i mean about the, like you said about the context this guy allegedly again i don't know nothing we don't know what the what the cause of death was it's not our business to know but if i'm going to hypothesize and think aloud if he's known for being the party dude and he's spoken openly about his, you know, like we all do. I speak openly about my drinks, about the drugs I take, about how much fun I have or don't have when I go out. Um, it's it's fair to assume that maybe that was a cause of his death. I just think that's strange in that context, you know. Of course, celebrating somebody's death at the party is amazing. I, I love when people pass and they basically... um tell their family and friends that no one can wear black and it has to be a celebration i think that's super awesome i don't think it should always be a somber event but i just feel like in this context having a rave having a party it just feels a little bit it just feels a little i wouldn't say tasteless it just comes across like you're ignoring the elephant in the room kind of thing you know which no one wants to acknowledge which is fine and you know it's not again i don't know what to say this so i'm just rambling but i just saw that and i thought you know uh, 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 uh. but yeah maybe i'm in the wrong there but um in general it has made me be really appreciative of some of the breakthroughs i've had in the dance floor that recent time i think it might have been last year or maybe the year before that when i was when i did this massive rant about berlin i think it might have been last year i think i posted on my instagram as well one time i did this massive rant where i was complaining about Berlin and the shit i went one year i think that was really important 
because I had a really bad time. I think it was maybe two years ago. Um, I really didn't like it. It was getting vibed out. Everyone was acting too cool for school. It was at the peak of the harness and chokers and big boots and like denim shorts era of, of Bergheim, right? It's still the same, but when everyone was kind of like LARPing as a techno person, right? By wearing fishnets and, you know, having fucking mascara in their eyes and looking a certain way. I just fucking hated it because it was also performative. It was also seamy and clicky and weird. It wasn't really about the music. It just pissed me off. But I honestly think that bad experience led me to ex- led me to um, understand that I wasn't like those other people. Like I thought I was a raver, raver, like I was a caner, caner. But I thought what I realized going and having that bad experience when I went to fucking Bergheim was that I'm more of a DJ that enjoys the music and the club scene as opposed to a raver that just wants to get drunk and high all the time. That's why I realized, like, I if somebody told me now all you could do is only DJ and not rave, I'd be happy with it. Like, I'm more into DJing, I'm more into listening to music, and I'm more into going to clubs as a spectacle as opposed to going there just to go get fucked up. Like, I don't need to get fucked up every weekend, you know? And I think I realized that when I went, and I was really happy about that because I think I had a moment in my life where I could have got lost in the source, where I could have maybe slipped into a really dark place and it could have gone wild, but I was happy that I had a phase where I was going out, you know, every single weekday, where I was going out essentially that Tuesday to Sunday every fucking week. But then when that phase was over, it was over. Like, I'm happy I had that because if I didn't have that, I could easily have ended up in a bad situation. So I'm thankful that that happened, really. I don't really take, you know, I don't think I'm better than anybody in that regard. I'm just thankful that I had a phase because, you know, I can't imagine. Like, that's a, And again, I'm really happy, too, that I never decided to move to Berlin, especially when I was younger and I was partying a lot. I'm really happy I decided that I never fucking um, moved to Berlin because there was a possibility that I would have, especially, what, around 2017, 2018 times or stuff when I was really on it i'm so happy i didn't because i could have easily got lost in the source like you know like taking a british person like myself who's who's not the most well behaved sometimes when you go out and you get too excited and you're drinking you're doing too much drugs and shit taking someone like me and take putting them in berlin where you have ability to party from like thursday to tuesday without stop that would have killed me like no intents and purposes that that would have killed me i wasn't mature enough to have done it and i'm glad i didn't because and i think i was self-aware enough not to have done it anyway i think that's why i stopped myself from going i enjoyed going i think that was one year where i visited berlin like six times a bit od but i did it but i was never close to moving i was never like yeah i need to move there and really get part of the scene i was like i always like you know going there enjoying it and then coming back to my sort of like real life and sort of thing so i think i'm happy i did that because jesus i couldn't imagine you know being in a place where i'm kind of spinning and going out of control i'm happy i did it i'm really happy i did it next on the list am i the only person that is very unbothered and doesn't give a fuck about stuff like this courtesy the wall street journal elon musk has used illegal drugs worrying leaders at tesla and spacex some executives board members fear the billionaire's use of drugs including lsd cocaine ecstasy mushroom and ketamine could harm his companies why is this news especially in the context of now where the fucking unsealed jeffrey epstein document documents have been unsealed we've got all of these high brown names people like fucking naomi campbell people like fucking stephen hawking former president bill clinton has been featured in those unsealed documents i think it's like plus more than 50 times more than 50 times former president bill fucking clinton is on those fucking documents and here they are talking about elon musk being a fucking druggie so fucking what i don't care if anything he should be on drugs 
the way Elon Musk acts, the way he talks, if he wasn't on drugs, I'd be worried. If Elon was sober, doing the things that he does, saying the things that he does, you know, destroying the companies that he has the way he has, right? Like, I would be worried if Elon was doing what he was doing now, completely sober. It's the same thing that made fucking Chris D'Elia such a psycho. Why is Chris D'Elia a psycho? Why is Chris D'Elia a legitimate psychopath? Why is Chris D'Elia a legitimate psychopath? Why? Because he's doing all that diddling, all of that pedo stuff, allegedly. He was doing that completely sober. No victim so far has come forward and said they saw Chris drinking. Chris actually is legitimately sober. Even when he was getting cancelled, he never got pushed to the, to, to the limit of being an alcoholic. I think he said he took some Xanax and stuff. But to that end, that's what makes Chris D'Elia more of a psycho. So if Elon Musk was doing all that he was doing, was causing all the stink that he causes, and he wasn't on drugs, I would be concerned. It actually makes sense that he's on drugs now. Big up Matthew Malone. I appreciate you. My new favorite channel. Big up my man. Thank you, Matthew Malone. Appreciate you. Thank you for the donation, brother. Much, 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 much appreciated. I'll use that five dollars to buy. Guess what? You guessed it. More ibuprofen. So big up Matthew Malone. <laughs> but honestly, man, I swear to God, I swear to God, this sort of news is so bizarre to me. I can't get my head around it. I wonder if this is like a purposeful misdirection. All of these Epstein documents are here with all these really big, influential, powerful people to distract you. Let's give you the fucking boogeyman, right? This guy that we're all meant to hate, Elon Musk, because what? He says edgy things on Twitter because he's a bit annoying online. Is that why we're meant to fucking hate him? Okay, cool. But is it worse than fucking former President Bill Clinton being on the fucking Epstein unsealed documents more than 50 times? Is that not more concerning to you? Is that not more concerning that fucking Stephen Hawkins being accused of being a fucking sexual abuser and shit? Is that not more concerning to you? Of course not. Let's give you Elon Musk, distract you from that, and then you can go on with your word. It's so fucking crazy it's so fucking crazy because this doesn't I, I like honestly if you're elon if you're elon and you let's say you believe elon runs these companies there is a notion out there that some people believe that elon doesn't do all the work right that he takes credit for all the work he's sort of like you know the modern day version of steve jobs let's say he does do most of his work imagine you're running tesla imagine you're running twitter Imagine you're running SpaceX. Imagine you're running um, the one with the fucking satellites for the internet. Imagine you're running the boring company. Imagine you're running Neuralink. How else could one man run all those companies if he's not on drugs? Please, somebody tell me. How else could you run six companies if you're not on drugs? Of course she's doing drugs. What do you fucking expect? What the fuck do you expect? If anything, I would encourage more people of his level to do more drugs because that's the only way you can actually be a high achiever and a high performer. If anything, you know what? You know, I'm going to say out here that out loud, I think most people agree with. I honestly think Elon has had a Neuralink implant in his head or somewhere. It wouldn't surprise me if Elon is currently testing an early version of Neuralink those chips that he wants to implant in people's brains to help with cognitive function and maybe in the future to help people who are paraplegic to walk and maybe it might help you to become more smart and shit it might make you learn languages quicker whatever maybe it wouldn't surprise me if elon is currently now walking around with a Neuralink thing implanted in his head right now testing it so of course he says crazy shit online of course he fucking freaks out online of course he's fucking you know got a million kids and took like of course man of course like let the guy rock bro 
let the guy fucking rock honestly if there's one person if there's some people that could get away with doing drugs all the time it's fucking type a people um neurodivergent people or whoever he's got i forgot what he's got why is it asperger's or something right um with a million companies and shit you should be allowed to fucking do as many drugs as you want i'm sorry you should leave the guy alone let him do his fucking drugs writing an writing an, uh, a fucking thousand plus word op-ed on how many drugs he does is really fucking insane but let's read some of the article here anyway it says here courtesy of a person called emily glazer emily glazer glazing elon huh who would have thought it it says in the article elon musk and his supporters offer several explanations for his contrarian views unfiltered speeches and his provocative antics there are expressions of his creativity or the result of his mental health challenges or a fallout from his stress or sleep deprivation in the recent years some executive board members at his companies and others close to the billionaire have developed persistent concern that there is another component driving his behavior his use of drugs and they fear the tesla and spacex chief executives drug use could be a major consequence not just to his health but also his six companies and billions in assets he oversees according to the people familiar with musk and his companies maybe that's the main problem maybe they're not even bothered about the drugs he takes maybe the reason why they're fucking concerned about how much drugs he does is because they're trying to protect their investments right these are board members these are investors in these six companies who are trying to protect their ability to put their kid in a private school, right? All of these board members have their kids in international schools in Switzerland. They're studying in Harvard. They're fucking backpacking through fucking India and shit. They want to be able to provide a fucking, you know, uh, uh, money for them, inheritance for them when they leave. So the one thing they think they want to worry about is drug use for that. They don't even care about Elon's health. They just want to make sure that he's alive long enough to make them money so that they can continue paying for their kids' car note. They can continue buying, you know, expensive gifts for their mistress in fucking Guatemala. They can continue fucking, you know, researching, you know, longevity drugs to help them fucking live longer and siphon off the blood of fucking kids in third world countries. That's what they want. They're not even caring about Elon's health here. They just care about protecting their investment you got to love capitalism, isn't it? you got to love fucking capitalism. It continues. The world's wealthiest person has used LSD, cocaine, ecstasy, and psychedelic mushrooms often at private parties around the world where attendees sign non-disclosure agreements or give up their phones to enter according to people who have witnessed their drug use and others with knowledge of it. Musk has previously smoked marijuana in public and said his prescription of psychedelic ketamine. Yo, everybody does this. During the peak of covid during the peak of covid some of my friends i didn't do it because i was a fucking scaredy cat i was one of those scaredy cats i was wearing a fucking you know that plastic fucking shield thing i bought one of those shield things from fucking ebay i had a million masks i was wearing gloves i was one of those fucking scaredy cats right covid fucking got me i fucking swallowed all the fucking nonsense fear mongering when it comes to covid but some of my friends during covid during the lockdowns you know what they were doing they were renting airbnbs in the uk i don't know maybe sometimes outside of london in kent in bristol in bath in brighton and shit you know what they were doing they were ordering a ton of drugs on the dark net buying a ton of booze renting out these fucking flats or these apartments in in fucking you know nice places in england and they were having parties they were bringing their fucking music they were bringing bluetooth speakers maybe a little dg media player and they were doing bunch of drugs drinking a bunch throughout the entire pandemic and you know what i heard i heard loads of people were doing the same thing around the fucking world they were booking airbnbs when you couldn't go out and they were doing loads of drugs drinking a bunch regular people do that if regular people do that what do you think the most richest people in the world do 
of course they do the same thing why wouldn't you why wouldn't you go to a fucking eyes wide shut illuminati type party where you're fucking snorting fucking coke off of some bulgarian 15 year old's fucking face why wouldn't you do that yes it's a bit pedo-ish but of course you are a bit pedo-ish too because you're a billionaire right name me a billionaire that doesn't have pedo allegations i'll wait exactly it continues in 2018 for example he took multiple tabs of acid at a party house in los angeles the next year he partied on magic mushrooms at an event in mexico in 2021 he took ketamine recreationally with his brother cabal um, kemble mask in the miami house party during our basel he has taken legal drugs with spacex and former tesla board member steve jovetson who fucking cares bro honestly who fucking cares is it a bit losery to be in your 50s doing fucking hard drugs maybe maybe that could be said maybe that could be said maybe it is a bit loserish to be doing hard drugs in your 50s maybe there's something a bit bizarre about being a 50 year old and you're fucking racking up lines and you're fucking doing pills and shit and you're in, like it's a bit strange right when you're in your 50s but still still if you're Elon and you're running six multi-billion dollar, tr- nearly trillion dollar companies, I would understand why you're doing the drugs. What, what, what other way do you have to cope with the fucking ridiculousness of your existence? You being this one dude that's amassed all this wealth, you know, you, you have the control of all these big major platforms and these big major companies and shit, right? You have people's lives and destinies in the palm of your hand. Of course, the only way to manage that fucking stress is to do a bit of punch of hard drugs. So I'm not surprised. But again, like I said, I think these these fucking articles are a distraction i think they're a psyop um, to distract us from the big picture from the things that really matter and what really matters out there is obviously police brutality what really matters out there is inequality what really matters out there is homelessness what really matters out there is a drug epidemic what really matters out there is people suffering still from long covid situations what really matters out there is fucking the rising unemployment what really matters out there is fucking the fucking horrendous situation that's going on right now in congo what really matters out there is the plight of people in fucking gaza what really matters out there is what's happening with these unsealed documents you know from fucking jeffrey epstein those are the things that are really important those are the things that are fucking really important right those are the things that are fucking important not fucking elon doing fucking drugs who gives a fuck who fucking gives a fuck honestly <sighs> tired of this shit tired of this shit but again what do i know Nada. Anyway, moving on from me not knowing anything, let's talk to somebody that knows a lot. Let's talk about fucking Cat Williams. Yo, big up Robert Henry Perra, appreciate you. No more gatekeepers in 2024. Let's do it, bro. You know, perfect timing too, Robert Henry Poet. Appreciate you for the super chat, my friend. Perfect timing. You have perfect fucking timing, bro. You coomed at the right fucking time. You bust at the right fucking moment. No fucking pause. Big up my guy, Robert Henry Poet. Let's fucking go. So, talking about one person who knows about no gatekeepers, let's talk about Cat Williams. So, I re again, that Cat Williams interview with Shannon Sharp has to go down as one of the best interviews of all time it's probably up there with kanye's interview with um zane low you know the one where he's wearing a gold chain 
Right, you remember that legendary interview, right? That Zayn Lowe interview with the gold chain. I think this change, this um, Cat Williams interview, with Shannon Sharp is up there with there, um, with that interview. The only one that's going to top that maybe is when Kanye eventually goes on Shannon Sharp's um, platform, the Shay Shay Club Shay Shay. Um, I know Koyla hates the name in it. Was it Club Shay Shay or Shay Shay, whatever? So um, I think the only way we'll top that is maybe you know again Kanye going on there or somebody else going on there. But so far it's been amazing. So I've rewatched it again, pulled some clips I wanted to talk to you about, um, and one of the clips here that I want to highlight in this fucking beautiful pod is this the one with cat williams talking about being anti-work ethic and also being kind of counter hustle culture i think this is incredibly insightful and eye-opening and really interesting thing that he said because it's something that i've said a lot on this pod and something that i've kind of always had a bit of an issue with when it comes to hustle culture and survival bias and this whole pull yourself up by your bootstrap thing and whatever and the whole like thing that it, Joe Rogan preaches about oh everybody should have a podcast everyone should be out there making wooden furniture and selling it for, like all this nonsense shit about everyone needs to be an entrepreneur like the kind of Gary V uh, you know mindset of things where you know if you're not out here like working for yourself then you you're basically life doesn't matter when there's actually some value to be had in working a job when there's value in having you know supporting your family just doing a basic nine to five there's nothing completely wrong with that but these guys will make you feel as if like if you're not you know talking into a fucking microphone and you don't have a can of liquid death next to you then you haven't made it in life i fucking hate you so it's good to hear cat williams having the same mindset let's play the clip for you now but you could be a winner you could be a winner on this day it just it's just work ethic and not the work ethic they talk about they tell you work ethic where they do all these movies i'm the hardest working man well, no everybody goes to work every day but, right yeah I'm saying, I go to work all the time. Everybody who works goes to work every day. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. You get, what? You think I respect you more than my gardener? I don't. I don't. He work every day. Rain or shine. I don't know if you saw this, but to... And I really do agree with him. And it's something that I've always felt um, was annoying, especially within my little scene of fashion and streetwear and shit. There'd be this idea that somehow because you work a cool job, because you are like, you know, you work with some agency, you're at some marketing agency, you're at a fucking, um, you know, you're at a brand, you work, you work for a magazine, a photography studio, that somehow you are better than the person that worked a regular nine to five. And I really did push back against it especially because i was somebody that always cared a lot about fashion a lot about clothes a lot about stuff and malarkey but i wasn't necessarily bothered about the industry i'd rather just work a regular job and then partake in being a fan of fashion by buying the magazines and buying the clothes and watching the shows but doing it from afar i don't need to be in the thing to enjoy the thing but i do think there is a lot of utility a lot of good in just working a regular job and not being involved in anything like this idea that everybody has to be an entrepreneur that everybody has to be out here hustling and pushing themselves to do the maximum is really egregious and really dismisses the um, the you know the the things that most people just want out of life which is security an ability to look after their family an ability to enjoy certain things leisure activities and stuff most people just would like that like most people would be much happier having their job pay them an extra i don't know two hundred dollars five hundred dollars per month than this whole adage that they should be out there chasing their dreams chasing your dreams for isn't for everybody and it's not it shouldn't be put on the pedestal if you want to go out there and chase your dreams fair enough but no one should be running behind you patting you in your back because you decided to bet on yourself bet on yourself do your thing but it doesn't make you any better than anybody else i don't i don't think so and i've always kind of said this because in my sense in my head 
I've always been very driven. I've always been very self-motivated. I've always kind of wanted quote unquote more out of life. Right. But I always thought that it was annoying that sometimes, I don't know, I'd be in situations and people would maybe use my ambition, use my work ethnic, as Brendan will say, as a way to put other people down. And I would really be uncomfortable. I'd be uncomfortable with people trying to put me on a pedestal and use me as some sort of like, oh, look what he's doing. You should be doing It's like, no, 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 no. I chose to do this because I chose to do it. Fair. But that doesn't make me better than anybody because I chose to live my life a certain way or pursue certain things. That doesn't make me better than anybody. It's just something I chose to do. It's like a hobby. It just is what it is. There's no reason you just put me on a pedestal. I fucking hated that shit. I thought that was really lame. And if anything, it kind of dismissed um, the utility, the fucking greatness or the, good, the goodness or the whatever maybe of just working a regular job and being a fucking good member of society, you know? Um, I think people should worry more about being truthful, honest um, members of society, being a fucking credit to your community, um, helping your family in some way than just, you know, this whole idea of like, oh, I work hard, I turn up at my job type of thing. Like, why do you want to pat on the back for that? You know what I mean? It's fucking disgusting. But just to end it, he's obviously talking about Kevin Hart. He's obviously talking about Kevin Hart because, as you know, in the, I think he stopped it now. But a few years ago, Kevin Hart's whole mantra. Remember, Kevin Hart be posting pictures of himself topless, running all the time, working out all the time, right? And his whole thing was like, "Oh, I'm the hardest working comedian." And I think obviously people like Burt Kreischer do that also, right? By having a million tours and stuff, blah blah blah, and you know, using that as some sort of thing to like, you know, make himself look better than everybody else. When really, you know, yeah, you're the hardest working comedian, but you're a hardest working comedian because you have people around you that allow you to fucking you know do what you're doing because you have assistants you have a whole team of people you know flying you around you know making sure you're dressed you're fed all these type of things add to it but these guys will make you think as if they're like superhuman doing it all by themselves and even if they were doing it by themselves who gives a fuck that's your job you turn up at your work like cat williams said you shouldn't be fucking you know waiting for a round of applause because you did your job that's not how the real life works so i'm happy that cat williams said that big up cat williams he's a fucking g and then the other clip that i thought was really interesting was this one regarding stand-up comedians and i thought this was interesting because this for me was an um interesting because i was thinking about it more in this lens of like djs because i feel like for some reason this doesn't happen in the dj world and i'm not really too sure why i've always wondered why don't more djs support each other why is it always like a one person in type of thing um you know people have their, there's usually like, there's usually always like a cohort of these that come in maybe every four years i think that's what someone said i remember reading a book actually where they said like scenes last four years like every subculture no every scene within a subculture yeah there's subcultures but every scene within a subculture has a four-year cycle and i think that's right i remember when i was like running around dawson running around hackney running around parts of east london and south london throwing parties and being a man about town you know it was like a four-year run I remember we kind of sat, I had like a party that I used to do called So Special and we had like a four-year party at the pub we used to do the parties that called Yellowby and then I think after that four-year run Yellowby kind of died and then a new group of people come in but then it kind of never, never was the same so most scenes within subcultures last four years right um so you get always like a new set of like artists and DJs that come through every four years but for some reason in the DJ world the dance music world there's not really a lot of support there's not a lot of people bringing people through how there is in stand-ups that stand-ups are always kind of bringing people through but i feel like in dj what it doesn't happen so let me just quickly play this clip from cat williams and then i'll speak on the other side who are some of your favorite young comedians i don't i haven't seen a young comedian i don't like 
If you name any of the young comedians, I'm aware of all of them, and they're all you, you, you a teenager. He five too. Like, what's gonna happen? Who are some of your favorite young comedians? Apologies for the replay. I don't. I haven't seen a young comedian I don't like. If you name any of the young comedians, I'm aware of all of them, and they're all doing a great job. It doesn't matter. If it's Country Wayne or Desi Banks, it doesn't matter. If it's Carlos or Chico, it doesn't matter. If it's uh, DC or Just Hilarious, it, do- it really doesn't. It really doesn't matter. Once we go to the young part, um, the young comedians are dealing with things that we never dealt with. And so that gives them more benefits, but it also gives them uh, more chances of failure. So it's not easier for them. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm a big supporter of um, young comics. We, we have uh, Miss Pretty Ricky and Takara Williams. Um, I've taken 25 uh, black women on the road in these tours. Um, it's important to me that the young comic uh, gets the benefits and the advantages of the big comics platform. Matt Ryan. So that was a really good um, reply there from Cat Williams, essentially highlighting a lot of like, you know, Instagram comedians, people on social media that you'd have to only know if you're plugged in. So it obviously shows that he's plugged in and paying attention. Um, but like I said, I just find it fascinating how upfront and forthright he is about bigging them up because, you know, a lot of the, especially DJ scene people, even podcasters and YouTubers, you see a lot of people go, oh yeah, I don't know this person. I've never heard of them. I don't listen to them. As sort of like a weird slight on somebody, as sort of like a way to kind of put them down. But I feel like sometimes giving them the flowers and, you know, bringing them up is actually a good thing. And it's good to see that Cat Williams did that in this interview. And I would hope, I wish that we had the same thing in the DJ world, but it doesn't exist. I don't know why. A big up brother Henry Poet, basically just because you have a dream that doesn't make you any better than those that don't. And I've met many people who have way more natural work ethic than celebrities. Exactly, Robert Henry Poet, exactly. Um, but going back to this topic, I just, I don't know. I just, I wonder what it is because maybe it's just competitive nature of DJing. Because I think maybe, because I, I look at similar to stand-up, but maybe it's not. Maybe, maybe there is less professional DJs out there than stand-ups. Maybe there is less space so when you do make it, you don't want to, you know, invite other people into that slot because, you know, it's so hard for you to make it. I get that. But I just would wish there was a little bit more encouragement in that regard um, for people. Uh, maybe that then, could, you know, you could bring up a whole pe- a group of people together. And it would just be one. It'd be a whole group of us coming together. And maybe that would be a good way to kind of, you know, maybe push the scene a little bit forward and shit. Who knows? Who fucking knows? Um, I actually need to take a pill now because the side of my face is starting to throb. So let me actually do this before I play the new pill. So bear me one second. Let me get another clip up on here and then I can quickly play another clip because I need to fucking get, take this pill before I collapse. Uh, where is it? What's this I want to play? Um, yeah, let's play this one. Cat Williams or Matt Rife and Jonathan Major. Let's play this a little bit. This is quite, yeah, this, this one's a good one too. Cat Williams on Matt Rife and Jonathan Rogers being cancelled. Major, sorry, Jonathan Rogers. Jonathan Major being cancelled and what happens off of in Hollywood. This, I think, is a really good insight as well from Cat Williams about cancel culture and shit. Um, this is a really good one too. Let's listen to him speak on this. Matt Rife, you know, you know him from uh, Wild and Out. He gets cancelled for a time. Trying to tell I, a... I never knew him from Wild and Out, to be honest. Okay. I, I, 
I came across him as a new comic. Okay. And uh, yeah, I'm really just trying to see the comics, judge where they are, see it. Yeah. Right. Go ahead. So the, the canceling, uh, what, what, what do you think about this cancel culture? You see the situation with Jonathan Major. I mean, for all sense and purposes, I, I don't know if maybe he can bounce back in, in a couple of years. But man, he was he was hot. He was hot. As, he was cooking. I mean, you see him in Creed. He's in the Marvel movies. And then just like that. Maybe I'm a conspiracy theory, but I thought Cal Williams said any time they make you into that position, part of that contract is you do understand whenever we want to take you down, we can. Right. Part of giving you the world. First of all, they went around the world for two years straight telling any women that would listen that this was a good looking Negro. Mm hmm. Since when? When did y'all start liking a big nose? And <laughs> when did y'all like a little head and a big jaw? When? Since when? That look like my daddy. When you start liking my daddy? You like black people's features like that? If this ugly nigga is good looking, then all niggas is good looking. <laughs> Anytime you see them telling you something you can't believe, just understand it's a play. And it don't matter. You gonna know it's a play as soon as they get in that position and think they gonna tell somebody something. No, you're not. No, you're not. Yep, Marvel yep, yep. will cancel you so f you won't be allowed to read a comic book. <laughs> what is you talking about? Ah, get out of here. Get out of here, ugly boy. Uh uh, he's so right. He's so fucking right. But you know what I was thinking recently about Matt Rife? And I'm gonna talk to the Major of Rages thing off. I actually think that was more bravery on his part as opposed to the industry saying, Hey, we propped you up and now we're going to take you back down to earth. I actually think it was quite brave of him to do what he did. I wouldn't have done it personally, but I think it was quite brave. The Matt Rife story for me goes something like this. He comes up in the stand-up scene. He starts to blow up on social media. And for whatever reason, well, we know why, because he's a good looking dude. He's tense. He then decides, he then has a really big fan base of women following him all around the place. It's really disproportionate from most comedians. Most comedians probably have a lot of middle-aged men. He has all these women um, from any age of like 18 to fucking 65, absolutely in love with him. And I guess throughout that kind of a session when he's kind of building himself up on social media, he's getting a lot of hype. He has a little bit of a come to Jesus moment where he's like, you know what? I want to be regarded as a proper, legit stand-up comedian like all my heroes I look up to. I don't want to be seen as some pretty boy, um, you know, that only kind of gets laughs because women think I'm attractive. I want to be known for being really funny. So he decides to do a bit of a fucking 180. He decides to do a bit of self-sabotage and starts to talk about shit that he knows his predominantly women-based audience won't like to kind of, you know, to kind of uh, streamline his fan base, to kind of get rid of the people that he doesn't want to be his fans anymore and to kind of change the nature of his fans. I actually think that's quite brave. I actually think that's kind of brave. I swear to God. I think that's kind of brave that he did that that he went that direction because he could have easily just kind of did the good boy thing and carried on with his fans that he likes right i think he could have done that easily but the fact that he decided to change it and go the opposite way is pretty wild to be fair and you know it's gonna be fine because he's a fucking good looking white dude he's not gonna you know he's not gonna go back to working at fucking target or anything he's gonna land on his feet but i think that purposely doing that shows a lot of bravery especially in an industry where a lot of people kind of acquiesce and follow you know the path just to kind of make sure they have a career to go forward and shit when it comes to jonathan major stuff i think cat williams is spot on 
I do think he maybe got a little bit too big for his britches, as they say, um, or breeches. I forgot how the fucking term is. Um, he probably started walking around. I think what comes to mind is that um, quote from Kanye about Drake. He's walking around like he's pack, like he's Tupac or something, right? Thinks he's fucking untouchable. And I think Jonathan Majors had that point too. He was really hot. Um, a lot of the magazines were covering him, talking about how attractive he was. Women were falling over him. The roles he was doing was amazing. Um, forget the other roles he did. The role that I thought he was a standout breakthrough role was obviously was it creed and the other movie he did where he played like a fighter pilot i thought he was amazing in that like he actually showed range because you know him being like a big brute he can play that role but i thought that movie that jonathan major was in where he plays like a fighter pilot or something he was he was a really good in that movie really fucking good like an actual actor actor but obviously he got a bit too cocky i feel like he got a bit too complacent he didn't move correctly and he got punished you know he really got punished very quickly and he got kind of brought back down to earth and maybe that is a an unfortunate nature of being a big hollywood star you kind of have to acquiesce and play the game if you don't they can really slap you right back down to earth so that's the unfortunate side of it but to be fair i think you'll be fine i don't know i, I have a feeling they're gonna do like the opposite of like johnny depp with jonathan majors i feel like he's gonna go on a you know he's gonna go on like an apology tour and they're gonna slowly but surely introduce him back in i think they did the whole dropping him for marvel thing was a bit performative but i think in general he'll be fine i honestly do think so i think he'll be fine i think they're all gonna find a way to get because there's not a lot of black leading men that look like him out there so they kind of need him so i think they will find a way to kind of get him out there and hopefully if the if the public reacts well to his interviews and to him crying i think he'll be back on the big hollywood screen sooner rather than you know rather soon i bet you i've got a feeling i feel, I feel like there's a bit of a fix in play there's something going on in the background where they're trying to work out how they can kind of you know get him back in the good graces of the public especially if they can paint it in a narrative that he was kind of unjustly found guilty the fucking you know the legal system black man all this sort of shit i think they're gonna find a way i think all the dropping him and all that you know stuff was performative to make it look like they care but i feel like in the in the grand scheme of things they're gonna make sure that they kind of you know they kind of help him out so he can kind of come back on that's why i think so personally but hey what do i know what do I know? Moving on from that one, let's play another clip here. It's healthy. So this marijuana helps him do both of those things. Marijuana well, help you sleep? Oh, yeah. Because remember, remember, as a comedian, what you're doing is against your natural timeline. Your natural timeline wouldn't be that you would start your work day at 8 o'clock p.m. Right. And then your work day is over at 2.30 a.m. Like, that's a weird... Yes. Right? So to tell your body now that we're pumped up on endorphins, now let's go to sleep at 3. It don't work like that. Your body has to try to get a whole new schedule. So, you know, it suffered, but that's what worked for me. I consistently used it. I told people all across the country, don't worry, this will be legal in our country. As soon as they find out how to charge taxes for it, we will be legal in this country. Do they view me as some sort of visionary for my forward thinking? No, no. You own drugs. That's <laughs> what I heard. <laughs> Yeah, but how have you been i mean bro every time they try to put you down and that's the thing i've never understood with people like the i think i spoke about this on the pod before like drug shaming i've always thought drug shaming is lame 
like as an ex- as a way to sort of like dismiss what somebody's saying or to put somebody down like the only way to really be on some sort of like moral to, the only way to really morally grandstand or to be on some level of have any level of superior contact when it comes to gl- drugs is to not do them the only way to really scold people and to kind of look down on people is just to be sober or be teetotal that's the only way to do it if you do other drugs and not another drug then you know you st- i don't know it's sort of like throwing stones in a glass house like everything is they're all bad as each other we all just find ways to sort of like manage and kind of um do the best that we can with life right especially given the stress and the strains that we all have so if we sometimes have to lean into certain things to get you know to kind of get through life then so be it if some of us don't need it then cool but it doesn't make you better than the other person do you know what I mean? we all just kind of have to make do with what we kind of have but i always felt the drug shaming thing was very bizarre that people do but i feel like maybe sometimes there's a way of people to somehow maybe feel good about their situation maybe because they're maybe afraid of doing it they'll point fingers more at you because they feel like they they're not in control of their own things whatever maybe but i feel like the idea of like you know because you only drink coffee or because you only smoke cigarettes you're looking down on people that smoke weed is very bizarre because you are doing some form of drug you are dependent on something to kind of get through your day and some people just have different degrees some people are doing heroin on a daily basis like a functioning you know cr- you know a, fu- a functioning smackhead some people are just doing fucking pills some people are doing fucking weed whatever maybe some people are not doing anything and they're literally just drinking fucking caramel tea it is what it is we all have our vices and we all just try to make the best of the life we're kind of given really so i liked that he said what he said i honestly did so big up cat williams oh and big up coiler too uh big up coiler in the chat coiler said what um um fucking what you call it he said in uh in the clip um he said if megan was a shoot yeah let's see if i can see shooter let's see if i can get shoot on the transcript uh he told me um shoot tink where is it not there okay someone post okay cool someone post a clip of okay cool thank you thank you robert henry poet thank you cat williams tory lanes let's see somebody already posted a clip of it that's brilliant i thought i was the only person that heard it i thought i was special uh big up the streamers big up the stream chat people watching appreciate you please make sure you're liking the stream if you enjoy what you see let's continue cool big up um robert henry perry for the tip let's play this clip ain't the man what, what would you take on that because i know you you got to take on everything I know it's, you a, probably- it's a difficult position because somebody's not going to tell the truth and the truth has got to be told in all circumstances, the truth has got to be told. So if you don't want to say she shot her, then you shot her. And that's the end of that. Oh. And he's right. He's right. I'm glad he said that he's right. You know what? Am I the only person? Maybe I'm in the minority here. But when the whole Tory Lanez thing happened, I was very forthright in saying that I thought the responsibility and the blame was mostly on Tory Lanez's side. Even though I feel like to this day, I don't feel like he shot Megan Thee Stallion. I still feel like that situation was more his fault because he just got too excited. He fought with his dick and not with his brain. He was smashing Kelsey. He was smashing, he was smashing Megan behind Kelsey's back or Kelsey behind Megan's back. He went to Kylie's house and then tried to smash Kylie in front of both of the girls. He just did too much. He just did too fucking much and eventually it all blew up in his face and now he's sitting in fucking prison and Megan's out here twerking in clubs and stuff. It's unfair, but he's mostly to blame. But I was also very, I had an unpopular opinion where I said to myself, 
I understand why Kelsey lied. I understand why the other girl lied. I get it. I get it. She just gave him birth to her kid. She was just about to get married and shit. Like that's a life and death situation. If no one's going to say who did it, I'm just going to say I didn't do it. So I think her going and getting that immunity deal and basically putting the blame mostly on Tory's side was made a lot of sense, self-preservation. And I also understand why Megan lied. I'm not going to lie. I understand why Megan lied also because you have to you have to consider back in those days, think back to when that happened. Megan was hot as fish grease. She was kind of the darling of social media a little bit. No one really she didn't really have any smut on her name and no one really knew how she gets down behind the scenes. No one really knew about how Lucy Gucci she was, but fucking everybody under the sun and stuff. Everyone just assumed she was this nice, cool girl. She had a whole college thing going on and shit, wherever it may be. I understand why she went out of the way why she went out of her way to make sure that she buried Tory because the Tory Lane situation was the first situation that kind of opened the door to people seeing how Megan is when she's out and about. Maybe she was an alcoholic, maybe she's drinking too much, maybe she's doing drugs, maybe she's partying too much, maybe she's a bit too loose. So I think that possibility of people finding out all her secrets would push somebody to the point where like, you know what, I'm going to point the blame at somebody else. So I completely understand why she did it. I completely get it. It's really sad, whatever it may be. But I also think if you're Tory and you didn't do it, you have to go out of your way to kind of point a finger at somebody else. The fact that he didn't do that, he didn't take to the stand and defend himself and point a finger at fucking Kelsey or something. It was obviously his biggest faux pas. And even though he had, his, you know, he kept his fucking, um, what's it thing called? He kept his morals in check and whatnot and integrity, all that sort of nonsense. You're still sitting in jail. You're still sitting in fucking federal prison. Sorry. Um, if that was me, I would have fucking pointed a finger immediately, immediately at somebody else. If they if I wasn't fucking, um, responsible for it. So, um, in general, I think every person in that story is a piece of shit, really, to be honest, <laughs> you know, because that's something that people don't talk about enough more. Like people don't talk about it enough more, like how much of a piece of shit you have to be as Megan to fuck Tory behind your best friend's back. Because if, you, if the, sto the story goes something like this, um, they all meet together, but Kelsey ends up catching feelings for Tori first. They end up kind of hooking up a bunch and then she gets COVID. She catches COVID and she goes missing from the group a bit, right? Because she's recovering. And in that process of her catching COVID, Megan then starts fucking Tori behind Kelsey's back. Now, no one tweaks about that. Like the fact that, you know, imagine doing that to your friend, somebody that was your best friend at that time. That's really fucking like conniving evil behavior you know when she's ill you then start fucking her guy behind her back without her knowing obviously and then it all kind of blows up her fucking kylie's house that's fucking crazy shit but again i think every person in that story from tori to kelsey to megan they all come out of it looking horrible um if anything it's a lesson for people out there especially guys i think that that was a major lesson for you to know like hey sometimes thinking with your dick can actually get you in actual trouble like we saw it when you think with your dick too much that's what happens you end up in fucking federal prison because you couldn't just relax so you know free tory but hey he's only got himself to blame only got himself to blame moving on from that one let's play the kanye clip and then we're gonna move on cat williams on kanye i thought this was very astute from him also what do you think about kanye rant what's going on with kanye from a distance, obviously, I don't know how well you know Kanye. I don't know if you've been around Kanye, but from a distance, what 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 do you suspect's going on? I suspect that we're pretty awful people if we say that somebody got a mental illness and then we watch what they do. Mm. If you say somebody got special needs, then why would you be watching them and holding them accountable? 
like everybody else. Mm. Wouldn't you grade them on a curve? Wouldn't you go, whew, this guy. Because, I mean, what are we reacting to? What are we reacting to? You're the one that put him in a position where he thought he was God and could call himself Jesus. And you're the one told a guy that writes musical lyrics that he was a genius. Mm-hmm. You're the one that's like, so what? What do you expect? The guy married a whore. Like, what? Oh, Lord. Like, <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. I mean, married her because she was one. Not he didn't know. He understood that he wanted that. He courted that. That's what he wanted to base his family on. But maybe she got, she got on. a good heart, though. I know what you're going to say. Don't you say it, Kat. <laughs> Don't you say it. I'm going to move the conversation. If what I'm saying is not correct, then how does she end up with Pete Davidson? I mean, it happens all the time. And what if you weren't even good enough for Pete and he leaves you? Jesus. What do that mean the product was? Jesus Christ. No, I don't. I don't support or villainize Kanye because I don't understand what it is we want from him. I I don't know why we look at a basketball player and say he didn't score no hockey goals this whole season. (laughs) He don't play hockey. (laughs) (laughs) Kanye don't say nothing I can agree with. Okay. He was the weird guy in the beginning with the pink sweaters when we met him. Like, what do you think moving to a beat of your own drum? This this dude started a church and kept cussing. Nobody in black church said nothing. You would have thought all the pastors would have came. You can't be no gospel artist. You just said fuck that bitch. (laughs) Nobody said nothing. Because T.D. Jake's over there with Pete in it. Oh, come on, cat. Only the guy you had here... Oh, I love the TDJX slander. I love the TDJX slander, man. Fuck TDJX. Um, this is very true and something that I've always had the biggest issue with when it comes to Kanye's um, group of sycophants and enablers around him. That's why I was really kind of, you know, smiling out of one side of my mouth when that whole Tremaine Emery stuff started going down when he was beefing with him because I felt for the longest time, when before Kanye had that kind of freak out where he started supporting Trump and started wearing the MAGA hat, and that's when the first sort of phase of you know Kanye kind of losing it in public happened, I was always at the thinking that that didn't come out of the blue. A lot of people behind the scenes had knowledge or were keenly aware of what was going on with Kanye and what his mental state was like. But back then, he wasn't out in public saying he liked Hitler, saying you know he fought the fucking you know. Um, um, he thought Hitler said a lot of good things or being super anti-Semitic or uh, being a super anti-Semite and shit. He wasn't out there and flagrantly doing that back then, but he was probably doing it behind the scenes because there was obviously accounts of people saying him saying questionable shit back in the days. But people excused it or turned a blind eye to it because they got a lot from it. They went to flipping fashion shows. They got to be at Yeezy catwalk shows. They got to be at fucking, you know, his music fucking activation events type of things. Everybody got a lot of Kanye or they even just got free stuff, right? Um, and they were happy to turn a blind eye. But the moment it got into public and the moment it got fucking, you know, obviously got into the kind of public consciousness, how he was acting and shit, suddenly everybody went quiet and they had nothing to say. Because when Kanye was sending them shoes, you see people 
people post, especially people on my feed, like all these fucking, you know, Johnny come lately idiot type people on my Instagram will be posting pictures of themselves getting seeded certain Yeezy products when it dropped and shit. Thank you, Kanye. Thank you, Team Yeezy. But in the moment he started stepping out saying some wild shit when he first started going crazy, everybody was fucking mute. No one had a thing to say. And that is definitely proof to me that if anything, yes, Kanye has his faults. I think as most incredible artists are, I think personally, you're always going to suffer a bit when you're somebody that's really operating on that sort of high level of flipping artistry, your personal life and how you interact with people isn't going to be the greatest. But I honestly do think that for the longest time, he has been enabled from the minute he showed any sort of promise, from the minute he showed any sort of level of really high functioning ability and artistry is almost genius level. I think that people immediately started to give him a lot of fucking leeway and started to turn a blind eye to his bullshit and never called him out so if anything the industry enabled him yes he might be a piece of shit yes he obviously as um young old vibe saying kanye does seem exhausting i understand that but i honestly do think that he never got checked from the beginning because kanye was always valuable he was always a valuable resource he was always somebody that was going to make like like the elon thing we spoke about earlier people are concerned about elon taking drugs no they're not they're concerned that Elon might take too much drugs and might OD and die and then their investment dies with it because most people know those companies only really are around and only are prominent because of Elon's fucking pushing them and being prominent out there. Same comes to Kanye. People enabled Kanye. People kind of turned a blind eye to his behavior, the thing that he said because he was making their money, whether through Yeezy stocks, whether through just being who he was, whether through employing them because I think Kanye is probably one of those people too. He probably, Kanye probably has people on his payroll Kanye people probably pays people on his payroll that he has never met he probably has people on his payroll he doesn't even know literally he pays them on a monthly basis and he doesn't even know them he has so many people probably around him leeching off of him sucking him dry but obviously because he makes so much money he probably fucking doesn't even notice it but those people are the ones that are to blame i think for his mental state and for where he's gotten to because they never once checked him because they never wanted to have their fucking water turned off as they say i'm fucking back on fig no one wanted to get their water turned off so they just kept letting him get away with shit and of course it got to a point where he couldn't get away with shit but even till now we saw the recent video of him at that listening party thing he did in Miami. All the fucking groupies around him nodding away as he's fucking talking absolute shit. He's going on crazy tangents. And again, I'm I'm Kanye's my guy. Kanye's my goat. But even I can say he's talking fucking shit for the most part. Most of his rants nowadays aren't hitting the same because he's legitimately, you can see from how he's talking, he's definitely mentally ill. You can see from the tangents he goes on, the topics that he jumps from from time to time, how he gets so worked up in such little space of time that he's clearly going through it. But again, no one wants to say anything, no one wants to do anything because he's too big of a star now to really try to help in any way, shape, or form because he has basically insulated himself from the real world by surrounding himself with a lot of yes men and yes women, unfortunately. But I do agree with Cat Williams. The public are kind of to blame. You put this guy up on a pedestal, you called him a god, you made him feel like everything he said was the deepest, most inspirational, forward thinking thing that he ever said. It's no wonder that he started to believe the hype. He walks around like he's a god, he acts like it, he thinks he can get away with what he can get away with. And so far, to be honest to him, so far, he's been proven right right he's been proven right most people in his position especially being a black man would never be able to get away with what he got away with. but because of his talent there's still that hope that people have that he's going to turn it around when in my personal opinion i don't think so i think this kanye we got now is the kanye we're going to get until the until the day he dies he's too old 
he's too set in his ways he's made too much money why would he change now you know like what what's the point we just saw him recently at the show that he did in miami where he started wearing the fucking black kkk hood like you know he's gonna be this edgelord thinking trying to get a reaction out of people dude until the moment he dies unfortunately because you know why the fuck not but i think the public and obviously the industry people around him have a lot to blame have a lot of blame to hold to because they enabled that guy and they let him get away with murder and never called out his shit so it's no surprise that he's the way he is now but still um you know i love him for the music for the design stuff so i'm still gonna keep an eye out for him and root for the guy but when it comes to him personally like you know again i'm not the biggest fan of the kardashians but jesus christ can you imagine being married to that guy can you imagine having four kids of that guy can you imagine trying to like get that guy to behave at like a family dinner or something can you imagine how exhausting and tiring and frustrating it must be to try and wrangle kanye or try to get him to like just take his meds or something or go seek help like can you imagine how difficult that must have been for them <laughs> again i don't care for the Kardashians, but i do kind of feel for for kim on that whole thing i really do feel for him a little bit um but hey what can he do to end the cat williams section let's do this one the joe rogan one because i feel like this is really important to talk about and this is going to obviously tying in with the topic of the fucking the title of the podcast regarding gatekeepers now um i have to sell my store here i've said from the beginning that i don't think it's fair to blame joe rogan for brendan Schaub. And let's not look at Brendan Shaw as a person. Let's look at him as what he encapsulates, at what as what he encapsulates, and what he represents in terms of being the person who is a recipient of like a very influential person opening the door for them, a very influential person giving them a platform, a very influential person guiding them through and you know teaching them the ropes and shit. I don't think, and I said this from the beginning, that you can blame Joe Rogan for Brendan Shaw, but the more I grow up, the more experience I get in life, the more things I see and stuff, I can kind of understand why some people have that thinking. Because unfortunately, because of Rogan's platform, because of his success, he has now become a de facto authority on stand-up comedy. Even though he isn't, he's become that because he has the biggest platform and because he himself is a stand-up comedian of like 20 plus years. So naturally, because he's inviting, because he's very welcoming and he's very, he invites everybody on his platform to kind of share their story and to connect with his fan base and maybe grow their fan base, which is something that people don't really give him enough credit for because I've always said this on before my random show streams that I honestly do think if you gave anybody else in stand-up comedy the same power and platform that rogan has they would never do what rogan did in terms of making his platform open to every comedian like there's there'll be times he doesn't do it as much now but there was times back in the day where rogan would have these guys on from boston these guys on from fucking boston that he can have come up in comedy with guys that you would only know if you know the boston fucking stand-up scene and he'd had them on his podcast guys that have like a thousand followers or something because he just loved and appreciated them for the inspiration they gave him back when he was starting out blah 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 none of those other guys nowadays will do that so give him credit for doing that he's definitely a full leader in that and definitely set the precedent but unfortunately because of the size of his platform he's now become an authority and because of his wanting to help his friends that being that being an authority he i wouldn't say he abused it but he was maybe a bit irresponsible with who he gave a platform to or who he basically highlighted because what you've seen now with the brendan Shaw thing is that you've seen this reaction from the public where they're like 
this is insulting to our intelligence because this guy's not funny he's just a he's not even a decent human being let alone funny but here he is being propped up by one of the biggest comedians biggest personalities biggest stars biggest show in the world and you're basically forcing him down our fucking throats when we don't want to see him and obviously now off the back of that he's now got a successful career not was a successful career but he's got a career in the entertainment industry brendan and be able to kind of you know take that fucking shine and obviously do his own thing but i think that's the main issue the main issue is that it's basically an insult to most people's intelligence to see somebody who's not good at what they do be propped up by somebody who's got a big platform and obviously be able to kind of, you know, um, take that and obviously run to the hills. And then, of course, the other thing that's frustrating is that over time, it then becomes a little bit of a click thing. And even though Joe Rogan and a few of those people talk about being anti-Hollywood, they've kind of created their own Hollywood industry, their own gatekeepers their own kind of close click thing by doing the podcast because there's certain people within that joe rogan universe the Bapaverse, who are not included who are not invited and if they're not invited it almost feels like they're not as funny when they are right because joe rogan highlights certain comedians he talks about his friends a certain way this guy's a beast this guy's a monster this guy's selling he makes it seem like all his friends are the best comedians when really they're not they're just his friends the people outside of his friendship group might be the best but we don't know because we don't see them on his platform so it's kind of like um it's kind of like a double-edged sword it's kind of like a blessing and a curse he's got this platform it's amazing because he gets the time to highlight his friends and put them out there and blow them up but the other side of it is that because he's got the platform it then gets abused by people who are not talented and have no right being a stand-up comedian like Brendan Schaub, right? He Because I, I still would believe that I blame Brendan more for Brendan than Joe. I don't think you can fault Joe for trying to help out his friends. But obviously, I can see why people can look at Joe with another kind of eye. So let me play the clip anyway. A long ramble there. But let me play with the clip of what Cat Williams said. Time that this is happening... Cat Williams is known for smoking weed. Willie Nelson is known for smoking weed. Right. Snoop's known for smoking weed. But none of us is really known except Willie. And I'm saying, Chris Tucker didn't want to be the poster child for smoking weed. He don't right. smoke weed like right. that. Right. He in the church. He Michael Jackson's best friend. Christmas. Michael Jackson called him Christmas. <laughs> you ever met a man that gave you a little nickname like that? No. Mm-mm, me neither. <laughs> Must be the greatest. Man, I ain't gonna be able to get nobody back. I ain't gonna be able to get no more comedians. They all coming. No, they ain't. Are you kidding? Nah. Hey, I promise you. I got all the rest I, of them. I done, got, I done got the ones. Every, I promise you, everybody trying to double back. You're gonna be having to beat them off with a stick. <laughs> you won't let him. They're coming. Much as. <laughs> you're on dev comedy jam comic view what were those experiences like what do you what do you remember most about dev comedy jam and comic view uh comic view was everything um comic view was really the break um and not friday after next just because comic view was just three thousand of your stand-up peers and we just throw sets of all of them up there and we see who the audience likes who do they like 
And um, it was a great wild, wild west time to be involved in comedy. And um, the same is true for Def Jam because uh, hip hop was a fad at one time. Hip hop ain't going to last. And why are you doing that? Um, and that's how it was for blue comedy. Mm -hmm. um, if you were a comedian that cussed, you were ridiculed by the mainstream comedy mm -hmm. geist that would be like me being on joe rogan joe don't want me on there i need to be on shannon joe joe got six comedians that never been funny he want to push out <laughs> <laughs> and that's the problem the problem isn't the platform i think the problem is the legacy of Brogan platforming some of his friends who then turn out to be shit stand-ups that's the issue because now it looks like now it looks like he was purposely platforming people who are terrible you know because the ones that are good don't get on his show for some reason because he's not friends with them obviously but the ones that are the ones that probably are debatable are the ones that are on the show all the time so it kind of creates a weird vibe around the clip of people that he's with but I also think the name that he said, when he said six, I don't think that was a particular six. I think that was just him, you know, saying the term. But I think if we if we went to list, obviously Brendan will be in the six. Brendan Shaw will definitely be in it. Maybe Burt Kreischer. I wouldn't say Ari because I think Ari is actually funny. I wouldn't say Tom Segura either, even though he's going through a bit of a difficult time now with his fans and annoying people and being a bit of a dickhead online. I still think he's quite funny himself. Um, I would definitely say a Whitney Cummings would definitely be on the list. Definitely Tony Hinchcliffe would be on the list. I can't think of a few others. I'm thinking that close to his group of circle of friends. There's probably a few more others on there. Um, obviously, um, who's that Asian dude that fucking Rogan was sucking him off so hard? Um, is it Hans Kim or something? He's awful. Big up KP. Appreciate you, KP. It gets dicey, Bubba. You know it. You know it, KP. Big up, big up, KP for the super chat. Appreciate you. It definitely gets dicey, 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 brother. Thank you for the super chat, bro. Um, yeah, so those people are main, are main, are named that the hands came of those like likes, they would definitely be in it. But I felt like Rogan's response to Cat Williams saying that on Twitter was interesting because it feels like ever since he's moved to Austin, I feel like Joe Rogan has gone out of his way to try to rewrite the wrongs of how he used to act when he was in LA. And I think a good example of that is that Rogan's refusal to let Brendan Shaw perform at the Comedy Mothership. I think his refusal to let Brendan Shaw perform there is an indication that he wants to rewrite the wrongs. He's seen that he's maybe been a bit irresponsible, irresponsible, but maybe he's been a bit too willy-nilly with who he's allowed on his pod. And maybe his pod has inadvertently endorsed people who aren't legitimately funny and it's maybe hurt his credibility. So he's gone out of his way to now reset how he invites people on his show. So now he's become a proper gatekeeper, which is weird, isn't it? But because in the past he let Brendan appear on shows in the comedy store and stuff when he was in LA then he moves to fucking Austin and suddenly he's like nah you can't perform it you're not funny enough so I think this response was in line with that um he obviously saw the clip of Cat Williams saying that Joe don't want me here Joe got six comedians that ain't that funny he wants to push out and Joe replied to the tweet and said I love Cat he's one of my favorite comics and I'd love to have him on we talk about him all the time if he's down I'll make it happen 
So Rogan's inviting um, Cat Williams to Joe Rogan podcast. And obviously, that would be an amazing pod, right? Off the back of the Shannon Sharp interview, I think Cat Williams on Joe Rogan will be fucking sensational, especially off the back of what he said here. So I think he'll deliver some home truths to Joe. But I think this is a weird kind of like cope. Um, obviously, Joe's not going to be happy with him basically saying what he's saying because essentially you are basically put into question Joe's funny also by saying that he's got people that aren't funny that he's pushing out there and Kat also didn't say that Joe was funny he, you know he just said he pushed people that aren't funny so if you're Joe you're going to be a little bit miffed and annoyed by it but this is probably a classy way to respond but it also feels like a bit of a cope um, and a bit of a way to kind of shield you from kind of feeling a bit offended but if anything this is another example as to how the podcast comedy bubble thing is blowing up and people are not really falling for it anymore there's a lot more naysayers vocal people out there calling people out obviously channels online like the two ladies try as a podcast cringe a comedy enforcement all those other people are putting out great videos basically dissecting and kind of calling out some of the nonsense out there but i feel like even the fans are responding you see a lot of people in the comments talking about it especially in the reply to the tweet and it's clearly kind of stirred up a lot of feelings with people in the industry or in the scene in general as to all this kind of pushing of people who aren't that funny from a rogan standpoint especially because a lot of people out there um think that rogan isn't funny himself there's a big con there's a big you know community of people out there that think rogan isn't funny so what business that he does he have to tell people or to like you know be the fucking gatekeeper of fucking comedy they don't fucking get it so i love that response from cat williams and i'm ram i am so looking forward to him going on the fucking joe rogan experience i really hope it happens i really fucking hope it happens i swear to god um doubtful but i hope it does happen i really do hope Moving on from that, we've got to talk about the Pink Stanley Cup um, Starbucks fucking fiasco. Have you guys heard of this? This is fucking wild. So this is courtesy of NBC News. Pink Stanley Quencher Starbucks Cup release sparks mayhem at Target stores. Have you guys heard this? People in the fucking States, you guys in North America are fucking bizarre. For some reason, this fucking Stanley Cup, a special edition pink one from Starbucks, is causing legitimate queues. People fighting and resale prices that will make Supreme look like fucking dog food have you seen people are reselling these on fucking online look at this tweet look at this fucking tweet people StockX has now sold 317 starbucks stanley pink tumblers for a total of fifty-one thousand dollars people are selling these tumblers these fucking cups for 165 dollars plus are you kidding me bro are you fucking kidding me let's read quickly the article here it says um um, the, re the release of a limited edition pink version of a viral 40 ounce Stanley quencher drinking cup designed with Starbucks led to chaos at multiple target locations. Social media clips show customers in a frenzy as they try to snatch up the products which were released as part of a rollout at Starbucks new winter menu. The cups retail for $49.95, $50 retail price and they're reselling for $165 god almighty that's a fucking come up in a half um social media clips show customers in a frenzy as they try to snatch the products da, 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 da. a starbucks spokesperson said in the email that there had been an enthusiastic response to the product and that they will not be restocked once they're sold out blah 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 now you know what's funny about these cups were you guys aware that there's a fucking boycott going on at starbucks I think it's to do with the Israel-Palestine war, or Israel-Palestine war, sorry. There's something about um, Starbucks being maybe pro-Israeli, and there's a social media boycott on Starbucks. So you have to be really in the weeds with social media, but there's an alleged boycott of fucking Starbucks, and people are alleging that this boycott is hurting Starbucks, um, you know, stocks. 
and I think it's down somewhere. Right? I remember reading somewhere. Would you imagine how fucking clever it would be if this is true? If the fucking executives at Starbucks worked out a way to get people to buy Starbucks again by just releasing this limited edition cup. I don't think this is true. Most likely they had this in planning for a long time. But can you imagine how clever of an executive you have to be to be like, okay, cool. Everyone's fucking boycotting us because we're pro-Israeli. They're fucking calling us Zionist pigs and shit. They're saying we're fucking, you know, we are somehow, um, you know, supporting genocide. How do we fucking fix this? Okay, that's it. Special cup, you know? And now suddenly you've got people queuing and fighting over these fucking cups. So let's play some of the clips because these clips are fucking crazy. Look at these fucking clips of people going crazy over these fucking stupid pink cups. I had a target for the new stanley starbucks cup yes i know what you're thinking it's a cup why what are you doing on the other hand i love my daughter and we were bored so we got there like at 1 40 in the morning and it was a ghost town because it was target in the middle of the night but once we saw the cup we knew we were in the right spot we brought the new puppy with us and just waited for people to show up and they did so we hopped out of the car brought the chairs and made sure we were first in line so it was almost three o'clock in the morning and that's when people started to show up i mean these people are dedicated we just watched one by one and the line was massive and it was cold like 40 degrees cold, but we got through it, and I ordered Whataburger delivered in line, so if you know, you know how you done. At this point, the store's about to open, and look at this line. Guys, are, wow. are we okay? No. The answer is no. This lady came out to make sure we didn't burn the place down, and once the doors were open, it was go time. And for the most part, it was pretty calm. There wasn't much looting or rioting, just a few small fires. That's it. And finally, we got one. Just one, because Target's doing this one Stanley per household thing. I don't know. Either way, we're tired, we're hungry, it's over, and it's time to enjoy the sweet taste of victory. Thank you. Is that a form of child abuse to take your kid to Target at 3am in the morning to queue up for a fucking plastic cup? Is that a form of child abuse or is that just being a good girl dad? Or is that being daddy? Is that a beast of a dad that he would do this for his daughter? She, she clearly wanted a cup, so he decided to take her to fucking Target at 3am is that maybe what a beast of a dad would actually do or is this a form of child abuse i think it's child abuse i don't know what you guys think next video come with me to get the starbucks Stanley cup the girl's in the queue at 4 a.m she's got a picture of her outside waving with her mom i told her i'm like yeah i know we're crazy don't judge us it must have been a home depot imagine queuing outside of target this is very white people behavior isn't it this is very white people behavior. I don't see any I don't see any minorities in these queues. This is proper Caucasian behavior. If you're a Caucasian out there, you should shake your head in shame. What the hell are you doing? You guys used to be a fucking country, right? You used to be out there, you know, shooting unarmed black people as they're running down the street. <laughs> you know, raping and pillaging countries and shit, right? White collar crime, right? Rubbing fucking banks, right? But here you are instead queuing outside a target. White people used to be amazing. Remember, remember when white people were white people, right? Making pop music about fucking your sisters and shit. But instead here you are outside a fucking target. You white people, man. Come on, you gotta do better, bro. They're queuing. They're probably top. like those fools outside waiting. Wait, I'm not liking this. But it doesn't look like that many. More people are arriving. It's so cute. Sunrise. She's sitting there chilling. All the way back. Look at that queue. Oh, wow, man. Someone lit up. Someone's got a red balloon outside Target. No, actually, the 
They're waiting again. She's wearing a pink jumper to match the cup, of course. They're running inside now. We got this. We got this. There you go. There's the cups. Two per person. You got two? If you're getting one. Honestly, this is so pathetic, bro. This is the height of consumerism, isn't it? But to be fair, what's more lame? What's lamer? What's lamer? Please let me know. Please let me know. Please let me know in the comments down below, or if you're watching this later on down, down the right, what's lamer? Um, what is lamer? What's lamer? Uh, the Supreme Brick or that fucking Starbucks cup? What is lamer? What do you think is lamer? And it's currently going for £136. A Supreme Clay Brick, like by, queuing up to Supreme to buy a Supreme branded brick or buying a pink Starbucks Stanley Cup. What's lamer? What do you think is lamer? What's worse? The cup or the Supreme brick? What do you think is fucking lamer? What would what would make you look like more a loser? The brick or the or the cup? People are saying queuing for anything. Okay, all of it. But Z, that's the right answer. Um <laughs> The cut by Farsa's Koila. The brick is more lame by 100,000. Okay, cool. We'll crash the cycle. <laughs> because I've... Can I admit something? Can I admit something? And you guys won't laugh at me? Back when I used to queue outside of Bape, Baby Ape Store in London, in Upper James Street, right? It was a, one of the best fucking Bape stores ever, right? Really small store in Upper James Street. If you know, you know. Back in the day, I queued outside the Bape Store for like six plus hours, right? I queued eventually. I queued initially to get the chomper, to chomper varsity jacket, right? This is what I queued up to get back in the day. If you guys know, I queued outside the Bape store in London back in the day to buy this Bape core. I think it's cause, right? I think it was a Bape cause chomper varsity jacket. Now I'm not too sure if you guys know about this, but it's just so rare. It's fucking beautiful, right? I queued up to buy this. Right back in the day, maybe like in 2015 or so. I forgot what year. No, maybe yet. No, it might be 2010. Maybe so so long ago. I queued up to buy this jacket, but unfortunately they only they only like sent like five to London store, so they were sold out. Right by the time I was queuing, the queue was so long. By the time I got to the front, the jacket sold out. So essentially, because I didn't want to leave the store empty-handed, guess what I ended up buying? I went to the babe store to buy the jacket. I couldn't buy it. I didn't want to leave empty-handed. Guess what I bought? Guess what I bought? Bitch, you guessed it. Bitch, you guessed it. I bought some Bape Sellotape. I queued up seven hours or something and I ended up buying Bape Sellotape. What's worse, buying Bape Sellotape or buying a pink <laughs> Starbucks cup? What's worse? <laughs> and it was like $30 or something. I bought Bape Camo Sellotape for $30 and I queued up seven hours for it so what's lamer buying a pink Starbucks cup a pink Stanley or camo printed sellotape <laughs> I think the sellotape is lamer let's continue with the video the girl's happy she's smiling I just want a video this is funny so many white women look at the white ladies here. Oh, God. all gone 
they did it? They did it. They sold it. Sold out. What do you think? Is it worth the hype? It's like shiny and pink. I don't even know. Why is it even pink anyway? Why is it even pink? Is that to do with like breast, breast cancer awareness or something? Starbucks isn't pink, right? There's nothing pink on Starbucks logo. It's like green and white. Why is it even pink? Or is, this, or is it because of the menu? Maybe they've got something on the menu that's got pink flavoring on it. I'm, I'm not, I don't even know why this cup is pink, to be fair. She's smiling, like two cups. More smiles. <laughs> Fleshlight. <laughs> AZ's acting like he didn't just see his mum grabbing a cup. Lols. <laughs> oh, and this, let's do the fights. The fights are the more interesting thing. Look at people fighting over these cups. Look at this. Look at that. I love how everyone looks the same too. Look at the Uggs. Every every woman here is wearing leggings with Uggs. Either the, the mule Uggs with the thick sole, the other Uggs. How many boyfriends and husbands bought their wives these Uggs? for christmas how many boyfriends boy husbands and dads bought female people no women that have in their family these uggs these must have been so popular this one especially this sort of like slipper one with a thick sole <laughs> leggings and uggs leggings and crocs leggings white women white women white women white women there's also a red one you know i should you know what i should like the red one more is that red or pink? I think there's a red one there, right? There's a pink and a red one. Yeah, I actually don't mind the red one. I quite like that red one. The red one's quite nice. There you go. All finished. And then we've obviously got the fight. Let's watch the fight. Look at the fight. Look at the fight. Look at this. Look at the fight. They just, look at them. They're trying to steal. You guys, this is insane. Look at this dupe, stupid. Get him. Get him. Stop him. Stop him. Stop him. Stop him. Yeah, stop him. I didn't touch him. I didn't touch him. Stop him. Stop her. Stop her. Somebody trying to grab my bag, you guys. Look at this. This is insane. Look at this. He is insane. Look at this. Yeah. Good. No, 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 no. It's okay. We're gonna they actually fight. They actually fought this dude. I think he, I've got the other video here. I think he jumps behind the back, innit? I think this video here, you can see him. No, look, look, see? He jumps behind, like, there's a Starbucks, right? In, in the target. He jumps behind the back and takes the whole box. And the white women try to block him. These white women are fucking crazy. These white women are fucking crazy. They try to block them. That's a good block though, isn't it? I don't play football, but I think that's a good block. For the people that play football, is this a good block or not? For those of you who play football out there, is this a good block? That's a good block, isn't it, no? He tried to he tried to steamroll him and he said, "Nah." You're a fucking loser. Get him, stupid. Get him, get him. Stop him, stop him, stop him, stop him. Yeah. That's a good block, isn't it? That's a fucking good block. Let's be real. That's a fucking good block. <laughs> Big up the dad in the flannel. Look at that. Look how low he is. Look how low he gets. Look at that. 
he gets fucking low. You're like, nah, mate, you're not fucking getting past me, mate. Yeah, exactly. Ducks in the flow. Good center of gravity. Look at that. Look how low he gets to the ground. That's a fucking strong dad. Big up that dad. That's a beast of a dad. Forget Brendan. That's a fucking beast of a dad. He's like, no, no, no. My daughter needs a pink cup. My daughter needs a pink cup too. You're not going to steal the pink cups, bro. That's a, that's a dad. That's a fucking girl dad. Look at that. My daughter needs a fucking pink cup. Oof. Get him, get him! Stop him! Stop him! Stop him! Stop him! Oh, anyway, the frenzy's fucking ridiculous. Um, be safe out there, kids. Be fucking safe out there, kids. Next on the list, let's talk about this one. Have you heard about this? This is fucking sad. Look at this story. Melbourne man denied thirty thousand Australian dollar refund after purchasing fake shoes from a teenager. Oh my god. And the fake shoes you purchased? Bitch, you guessed it. Jordan 1 Dior's. You guys know about the Jordan 1 Dior's, right? A Melbourne man who spent nearly 30,000 Australian dollars um, on shoes he now believes to be fake had had his case thrown out by a tribunal. He was seeking a refund of for seven pairs of sneakers, some of them ultra-rare shoes produced jointly by sportswear, uh, sportswear and fashion giants Nike and Dior. But the state legal authorities found he had knowingly bought the shoes from the boy who was only 17 at the time. That meant he could not sign contracts and was not liable for the refunds. In October last year, the the estate took the 17-year-old student um, and his father to the court to ask for a refund. Four of the pairs were limited edition shoes. Big up, NJ Ranger. Appreciate you, brother. Stop him. Those are the nuclear codes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Rolling eyes face. Rolling eyes face. Crying face. <laughs> exactly. Stop him. That's a nuclear code it's like a it's like a scene from it's it's a scene from fucking born supremacy isn't it right jason fucking born like what the fuck is going on here bro it's a pink stanley cup relax but big up injury ranger appreciate you brother um continuing the man said sums ranging from three thousand dollars to ten thousand dollars for each pair of the jordan dior shoes as well as two thousand dollars for a pair of nike um sneakers in various colorways after receiving the shoes the man told the vcat that they noticed the defects and contacted the seller for a refund but did not receive a reply and went on to contact the teen's father fucking snitch he claims the boy's father accompanied him to a local authenticators who immediately recognized the teen as a fraudster and scam artist by name the teen his father disputed the shoes were unauthentic and that he could check the sneakers authorized by authenticating them the seller's father also told the tribunal that he only became involved in the situation to protect the safety of his family after his son was chased through a shopping center dismissing the claim in december um, VCAT member Catherine Metcalf said that the father's involvement was not enough to suggest that he'd been responsible for the refund and the agreement between the man and the student but as the seller was underage when the shoes were sold he was not legally able to enter into a contract to to make any refunds under Victorian state law that's so fucking sad the guy got scammed because he literally did a deal with a fucking teenager fucking hell had an agreement been entered into when Seller was 18 years old, he might have been different. Uh, the, the, so this makes me tell a story of the time that I got scammed for a pair of what the dunks. Do you guys remember those? Luckily, I had two pairs, but I got scammed, unfortunately, for a pair of um, Nike Dunk SB what the dunks, right? that i queued up for for like a day as well by the way i bought them at fucking nike town slam city skates had a fucking um, pop-up event in nike town in london i queued up for most of the day to purchase these what the dunks with my hard-earned money i ended up selling them i think on a forum i think i sold them on like on like soul collector 
or maybe I sold them on like, I think Soul Collector on Nike Talk, one of them. I sold these What The Dunk pairs, but the person I sold them to scammed me. And it's the first and only time I got scammed. The way I got scammed is the person said, no, they sent me a screenshot of what looked like a receipt for the transaction on PayPal. And I was new. I was so green back then. So I sold them and the person then sent me a screenshot of what looked like a pay, PayPal transfer. Obviously it wasn't. And I sent the shoes. Then I went to go check my PayPal and there's no money in it. But I already sent the shoes and I was so fucking tight. And obviously the shoes went. I actually saw them get tracked. They landed somewhere in New York and basically the money was gone. I couldn't even hit the person's fucking PayPal and get the money back. It just fucking went. So I was fucking fucked. And then since then, I haven't really sold shoes online anymore. I usually do a lot of cash in hand deals um, all the time with people and stuff. And, you know, meet people up at fucking car park lots and stuff and sell the shoes. But that was the first only time I got scammed. The person sent me a screenshot of a shoes um, of a PayPal payment that didn't go through. And back then, I think I sold them for like, I think I sold them for like $300 or something. Nowadays, what the dunks i think they go for like yeah they go for like 30k and i've got another pair actually in my collection i've actually actually got another pair so i'm actually fortunate i don't i don't wear them or anything but that's probably a rainy day fund but they go for like 30k they go for 30k so i've got these um i think i've got them in a size 10 as well i've, I've actually got them in a size 10 somewhere um so they're available but the only issue is that nowadays replicas are so good and replicas are so prevalent that there's a ton of replica what the what the dunks available now in the market probably a lot of the ones available now are fake but i've actually got a real pair which weirdly enough hurts my real pair you know because people will think my real pair is fake <laughs> you know because there's so many fakes available there's so many good ones like the replica game is so crazy that it's almost impossible to tell the reps from the reels and what's really interesting is that Nike, I think, are involved in a lawsuit with StockX at the moment. And one of the stumbling blocks in the lawsuit is that Nike refuses so far to detail how they can tell a shoe's fake or not. They don't want to let, they don't want to tell. And the reason why, because there is no discernible way to tell. Really and truly, if replica factories get the replicas right, there's no way to tell things are fake or not. Because unfortunately, most reps are made in actual Nike factories. So, there's this whole, you know, conspiracy theory out there that Nike kind of inadvertently, you know, props up the replica market because it adds to the whole hype and the allure around certain shoes. Because if they wanted to kill the replica market, they'll just make more shoes, make them more readily available, get rid of this whole like, you know, um, inf um, what you call it, manufactured scarcity, and it completely kills it. But they want cues, they want pandemonium, they want people to get stabbed, they want fucking craziness, and that unfortunately also, you know, pushes the replica, you know, market because there are people out there that don't want to do sneak they don't want to fucking queue up they don't want to enter raffles they just want to buy their shit so they'd much rather just buy it and nowadays with leaks as well people are now leaking shoes and sending them to fucking china or these refractories to get reverse engineered and they're now making sometimes replicas replica shoes of limited edition shoes are dropping before the actual real release you heard that sometimes replica fake shoes are releasing before the actual real thing has dropped
So you then get a market that's flooded with loads of fakes, with loads of B sample, with loads of like B samples, with loads of you know maybe some someone got seeded the pair and they're selling them. So it's it's very hard to know you bought the real thing. That's why the only way you can know you bought the real thing is to purchase a shoe when it releases or to buy it off somebody when they purchased it in the store with a receipt. That's the only way you can know if the shoe that you bought is actually real. Anything else, you're just flicking a coin. Which is why I understand why the replica market is what it is. And I've, and I've always said myself, when it comes to reps, I'm mostly a guy that will always try to buy authentic shoes first. But if I really want a shoe and I can't buy the fucking authentic thing legit, I'm just going to go to the rep factory. I'm just going to go to fucking, I'm going to hit up some of my girls and fucking, um, um, what's, what's you call it? Is it Shang Shui or whatever? What's that factory called? Is it Zhang Zhang or whatever? They have their factories. I forgot what the name of it is, the particular area. But I'm just going to hit up one of these fucking ladies. I think they, they're usually called weird names like Kim or something, right? You hit them up, whatever, and you get your reps so I can send to you because at the end of the day, all I care about is the look anyway. But if I can't get them legitimately, I'm definitely going to go hit up some of my replica factories. So I definitely understand. Yes, it's Shenzhen. Shenzhen, that's it. Shenzhen. Not Wuhan. We got the fuss of Wuhan. No, no, I don't want Wuhan stuff. But yeah, um, big up the replica factories. Big up them. Big up them. Let's see how much a size 10 goes for. 8.5 is going for what? 30 grand. How much does a 10 go for? 43,000. Okay. Shit. Holy shit. Holy shit. I have to consider selling them. I'm up to consider selling them, mate. Forty three thousand pounds. <laughs> That's insane. Holy shit. I'm up to consider selling them then. I really have to consider selling them. That is a lot of fucking money, isn't it? But again, it's good for a rainy day fund, you know? I don't have any savings really. So the only savings I do have are some of the fucking limited edition shoes I have. So maybe that's what I'll do. I'll just save them for a rainy day, you know? And then when I'm really down bad, right? <laughs> I then start, before I, sell, before I sell my asshole, I'll get rid of my water dunks. But yeah, big up that, big up that. Absolutely crazy scenes. Absolutely crazy scenes moving on from that we spoke about this let's move on to some other news over here let's also talk about this i thought this was incredibly funny and very much in line with kanye and the guy that i love because in an in an attempt to wish bianca senzori kanye's wife a happy birthday he also sneaked this kim this is so toxic, so unnecessary, but so very Kanye West coded. So Kanye posted a picture of his wife, Bianca Sanzori, on his Instagram with a very gushing and loving caption. But if you actually read the caption, it sounds like praise for his wife, but it also sounds like this to Kim. Look at the caption. Happy birthday to the most beautiful, super bad, fun, iconic muse, inspirational, talented artist, master's degree in architecture, 140 IQ loving by my side every day when half the world turned their backs on me and most amazing stepmom to our children. I love you so much. Thank you for sharing your life with me. <laughs> Kanye is such a piece of shit in an effort to give his wife props and to give her a lovely message on Instagram for her birthday he also found a way to very subtly send some shots at fucking Kim 
by saying all these things about Bianca because I guess she's the opposite of Kim, right? Kim isn't inspirational. Kim is not longer his muse. Kim is not talented. She's not an artist. She doesn't have a master's degree in architecture. Her IQ isn't 140. <laughs> Kanye is such a piece of shit to do this, honestly. In a, you know, like he made his wife's birthday all about himself in a way and i love it honestly that's why he's my goat he's so unhinged he's so all over the place it's almost impressive that he's able to manage he's able to always be in stable relationships not stable but you know kanye's not really kanye should be more of a bachelor he should be out there you know sucking and fucking everything based on his behavior but he actually somehow despite being crazy he still manages to find women that want to settle down with him don't you find that interesting no, he really is a walking red flag. Yes, he has a lot of money, but he's a walking red flag. Like you don't know what you're gonna get when you wake up, right? He might be walking barefooted. He might be ranting about fucking Israel and the Jews. He might be fucking talking about some, you know, the the trainer that's fucking following him around the world. He might be talking about his kids and abortions and shit. He might be in any time mood. And the fact that he always seems to find a woman who's willing and able to settle down with him is pretty impressive. You know, like it's pretty impressive. It goes to show that, you know, Kanye's Riz is undefeated. You have to assume like he has got decent Riz. When you look at his fucking rap sheet of women that he's been involved in, especially long-term relationships, like Kanye gets, Kanye gets the bitches. Kanye gets the fucking bitches. Let's not lie. Kanye fucking gets the bitches. So I love that he wished her happy birthday that way. I also love that if you actually go on his Instagram, the pictures he took of her um, for to celebrate her birthday were fucking hilarious. He turned his entire feed like a praise of her. But the pictures are very salacious. Hopefully they don't get me taken off of fucking YouTube. But it's interesting pictures, you know? Interesting pictures that he chose to kind of, you know, pinpoint how much he loves his woman. But yeah, Kanye's love for Bianca is real. Kanye's love for Bianca is fucking real. You absolutely love to see it. You absolutely love to see it. Next on the list here, a quick one to mention the Yeezy pods. Um, I really like these. I'm not going to lie. Um, they're not necessarily for me. I feel like my feet are too fat to really make these work. I think you have to have a really slim feet to make these work. And unfortunately, my feet are really fat and wide. But I really love the Yeezy pods. I think they look fucking amazing. Um, I do like the the flat, almost, you know, zero drop nature of the sole. I feel like that's a really good way to really strengthen up a lot of the muscles in your feet. When I used to run a lot, when I used to do like 20 to 30 miles per week, all I used to do um, was basically run in really thick sole shoes that would eventually end up fucking up the arch of my foot and give me a lot of planetar fasciitis and shit which is really awful so the only way to really help that um in a lot of kind of running you know tips and books and stuff that i read was to do a lot of running in shoes that were either zero drop and zero drop basically means that there was no difference from like the forefoot to the heel so it had the same kind of level of like a mid of like an outsole midsole type of thing and make sure it's super thin or sometimes they would encourage you to run on a grass barefooted to strengthen up your arches and a lot of the tendons and muscles in your fucking the soles of your feet so over time i started doing that side wearing really thin shoes and of course improving my kind of running technique and making sure the heels of my feet were slapping the underside of my bum and saw so like running at a 
slight angle um, i think it's called the pose method when you run you run at a slight angle with a pose method and essentially you kind of keep that way of going and you use kind of gravity to kind of steer you forward and that kind of helped so i'm really familiar with that kind of helping but i really do think day to day wearing shoes like this um with that kind of level of a sole would really kind of eventually help your foot to get a lot stronger and obviously allow you to kind of you know grip the soles of your feet better and build up all those tendons or whatnot and it also is kind of an easy thing to kind of wear straight away without so any sort of reply any sort of nonsense and stuff i kind of like it and the fact that the price is really kind of easy as well um it says here they're going to be 160 um their size is weird it's kind of what size is one to three but I actually like them. I'm not going to lie. Um, again, if my feet were more slivet, more sleek, I would definitely um, be into wearing them. But unfortunately, my feet are too wide, so it probably wouldn't work for me. And and in general, I don't really like wearing thin, thin, thin sole shoes. You know, I really like. I, I kind of like to have a bit of a sole on my foot and stuff. I don't really like to walk around with fucking basically plimp soles and shit. They're a bit too thin for me. But they do look really good on. As you can see from this picture, this guy wearing them, I think he swagged them out really well obviously they look really good here with these um pants that he has on it looks like the upper is completely a sock i feel like maybe it was maybe it will stretch out so even if you have fat calves it might actually go around your feet so it's not probably only for skinny people so that they do actually look quite good there this guy is actually swagging them out really well and i think the best picture is the basketballer Jalen brown Jalen brown's got a pair that he's wearing he's got the i think a pair that kanye gave to him in the brown color and he actually looks really good in them to be fair i'm not gonna lie obviously he's an athlete he's like six foot five seven in fucking amazing shape so anything he wears is gonna look good but i think he really makes him look really good to be fair this Jalen brown guy makes him look really fucking cool um and there's obviously a closer picture of him wearing a pair there they look pretty cool i'm not gonna lie they look really good there I actually don't mind how they look, especially how he's got them rocked. So I would actually wear them. But again, like I said, if only my feet weren't as fat, they definitely would fit and suit me well. Um, they kind of remind me a little bit as well. Rick Owens had a pair of these as well, similar that he did in the past. And obviously, Vetmar have a shoe as well they did from 2017, I think, that they put out. And there's definitely a bit of a beef going on there with them about it. But, you know, the less said about that, the better. The less said about that, the better. But yeah, big up those shoes available now. Uh, you just supply, you can purchase them along with all other bits and pieces available. You just supply, they've got vultures merch like sweatpants, tops, shorts, t shirts, and obviously vultures vinyl that's never gonna come out. <laughs> what happened to the album? Typical Kanye releasing it. What happened to the fucking album? It's not dropped yet, has it? We're never getting this fucking album. This Ty Dollar Sign and Ye album's never coming out, is it? It's never fucking out. It's never fucking coming out. Unfortunately, it's never fucking coming out. What can you do? What can you do? Um, and then I think, I think, I think, I think I want to what's oh shit, it's already two hours. Fucking hell, I've gone for a long time. I wanna maybe end it with this. Let's see if I can find it. Bear with me a second here. Bear with me a second here. There we go. So, um, Am I the only one who thinks that maybe the Salili Bembry hype is coming to a screeching halt? Didn't I say this in a previous pod? That I was a bit dubious about people sucking him off a bit when it comes to designing and shit, especially when it comes to shoes. Whenever he's get the opportunity to design a shoe from the ground up, I felt like it's always been a bit shaky. When he's doing colorways, yeah, he's fucking a genius. But I feel like when he's doing shoes from the ground up, he doesn't have the best track record. And I feel like this early leak of the Salili Bembry Crocs Pollux Juniper is definitely an indication that maybe the fall off is soon coming. 
because these look fucking hideous. This is courtesy of Hypebeast. It says a closer look at a Salili Bembry and Crocs Polex Juniper. And yeah, I don't know what to say about the shoe. It's basically got some sort of pink upper um, with a clear sole. Um, the sole kind of obviously matches that kind of fingerprint design thing that he has on the Crocs. And it obviously looks more like a trainer than the Croc itself with obviously laces, with like a conventional tongue. And the outsole kind of covers the entirety of the it kind of you know leaks all over the top of the upper it's almost like molten lava like gooey type of thing but just the design of them overall they look kind of hideous can you imagine looking down on these shoes when you're wearing them from the from the like imagine looking down at your feet when you're wearing them with all this bulbous shit all around it and shit all this unnecessary plastic and rubber everywhere they look absolutely hideous and like i've said i think Salili Bembry is a genius when it comes to colorways Salili Bembry's is a genius when it comes to colorways, but when it comes to designing shoes, I don't think he's the greatest. I really don't. I think maybe it's a bit overrated because I think of these, remember these Versace shoes that he designed um, when he was at the Versace, the Versace chain reactions. I always felt like these were the, um, these were the shoe version of Wild Wild Force. Remember that tune with fucking DJ Khaled and Rihanna and Bryson Tiller, I think it was, that came and went. It was like a big tune at one moment and it fucking died within a week. I think the same thing happened with the Versace chain reactions. They dropped, everybody loved them, um, but they they didn't really last that long. They didn't really hold, you know, it, they're not the triple S's. Balenciaga triple S's, you still see kids wearing them nowadays, but you don't, you don't, you hardly see anybody wearing the Versace chain reactions maybe some Middle Eastern people somewhere but in the clubs right the trap stars and the Asian people at fucking international universities I don't ever see them wearing um the fucking um chain reactions but as I can tell you here look at these new balances that Sally Bembry did when it comes to designing colorways I think there's nobody better but when it comes to designing a shoe from the ground up I think Sally Bembry might be a bit overrated and this might be the fall off maybe it is i'm not gonna lie i like the guy he seems a cool dude the color of the shoes he does again like i said maybe the colorways are fucking awesome but when he's designing shoes from the ground up here's another one the shoe he did with anta again not really that impressed versace's shoe not that great but when it comes to colorways he's a fucking genius but when it comes to designing a shoe from the ground up not for me not for me in the slightest and this might represent the fall off of Sally Bembry. maybe this was his magnum opus that actual croc that he did right that that croc trainer whatever it's called that might be his magnus opus maybe that was as good as it probably got because this juniper shoe this pollock juniper is looking fucking horrendous it really is i'm not gonna lie um the text courtesy of hypebee says after two teaser images were shared in 2023 salili Bembry has shared has shared what he shared here, um, which was revealed at Pollock Juniper, building upon the sculpted sole unit. The again features a fingerprint motif. The upper features ample perforations across the toe. In addition to this, the, the upper utilizes a texturized finish. Release remains unanticipated for the coming months via Crocs. So stay tuned for updates. But yeah, I'm not staying tuned for updates. They look fucking terrible. They look fucking, fucking that's it they look shit they look awful they look bad i don't like them i don't like them like them like them like them okay i don't i hate them i despise them they're the worst that you've ever seen in the world 
<laughs> Anyways, um, last one, last one before I leave because I got to leave and go to the gym. Last one, I got to leave and go to the gym before I get to fucking work. Um, big up all of you tuning in. Appreciate all of you that are tuning in here live. If you're live in the live stream, please make sure you smash the like button down below for me. Like the like stream down below for me. Give me some power and strength by liking the stream so that I can go to the gym. I can come back. I can shower. I can go to the dentist and fix my rotten teeth and then I can go to work. Help me out. Like the stream. So this is courtesy of Over and Under. Over and Under have posted this picture. The first look at the at Cold Wall, Sammy Ross's brand, a Cold Wall and Nike TN98 collaborations. These are pretty sick. I know some of you won't like them. I know some of you are going to go crazy. And like, I guess, you know, you're freaking out. Essentially, it's a classic TN that looks like it's been covered in fucking paint. Imagine your builder friend. Imagine your contemporary artist friend. Imagine your sculptor friend. Imagine your designer friend. Imagine your handyman friend, right? Wearing a pair of Nikes that they wear to the studio that they wear to work every single day and they're covered in muck maybe the soles aren't really worn in too much but they're just comfortable shoes that they get to put on every single day that make them feel instantly that they're at work that makes them instantly in the moment that clicks them on that solidifies them that grounds them and makes them feel like they're ready to work that day these are what these tns do for me but more than ever what these TNs do for me, these um, paint splattered work covered TNs, they remind me of this legendary pair that Sammy Ross did for Cold War back in the day. I remember, again, I can't, there's not a lot of footage of these early shows on YouTube. I wonder if, if he purposely took them down. But some of the early uh, Cold War fashion shows were so theatrical. They were so amazing, so immersive. There'll be performances, there'll be incredible soundtracks, there'll be really interesting um, architecture and installations on the runway, and just a really cool and interesting way that somebody like him, who isn't formally trained, would kind of announce himself on a fashion circuit. It was fucking cool. A lot of people would be like, oh, he's kind of sucking himself off. It's a little bit too, you know, um, navel gazily, whatever it may be. But I loved it. I thought it was really cool. One thing I really loved about it was that he would always go out of his way to sort of like, create these little custom um shoes that he would give to the models and at first collection i think he used to do this kind of dip dyeing thing where he'd have like a bucket of dye and he'd chuck you know a pair of air force ones in them take off the laces maybe stitch the sole the tongue onto the whatever add a fucking tag on it and shit customize them bit by bit and obviously put them on the models and they'd obviously tie in a bit with the theme of his kind of collection maybe it'd be architectural maybe it'd be something based on materials wherever it may be but they'd look very similar to his collection overall so that's what he did eventually but then obviously over time because they were so popular and because he was gaining traction nike came and knocking and they gave him an official collaboration right i think the first official one was these air force one mids um with the laces just at the bottom of the top which are fucking cool and really great so from doing these custom dye jobs and spray paint jobs whatever he did on the runway it eventually led to him doing an official nike collaboration and now i think to date if I'm trying to count, again, my a Cold War knowledge isn't the greatest, but I think he might have like five official Nike shoes under his belt, all from just doing these DIY type of things um, with fucking Nike Air Force Ones by dip dyeing them, by spraying them, by burning them and whatever piece of just trying to make it happen with little resources that he had when he was first getting introduced to fashion. So I think it's just a pretty cool, um, you know, full circle moment that now he's doing the same thing 
kind of they used to do quote unquote officially illegally he's now doing them legitimately with nike and i hope this is official collaboration i pretty much think it is it kind of reminds me again of the margella um you know army shoes that are also covered in paint right remember those ones uh margella army shoes um with paint i think there's one where it's got like a, it's covered in white paint it's kind of crackled and over time you wear it and it sort of like cracks and stuff and it reveals the underside again it's very particular sort of taste i know most people won't like them but it's basically this it's like a replica it's like painted so it kind of reminds me of these um maison margella they've got these shoes that they basically look like they've been they, they have been painted all white and then over, over time they kind of crack so these tns kind of remind me of it so he must be proud as well again full circle moment you go from doing them yourself unofficially to then getting a collab with fucking nike on a pair of tns they look fucking sick and again this could just be a custom they did himself and they're not actually legit but i'm hoping they are and we see them soon because i actually would all like a pair i know it's very marmite most people won't like them especially because tns are a bit of a marmite air max anyway but i feel like they've been done really well you got again paint covered on the entire uppers no laces and shit and stuff going through and hopefully we get some news on them soon again no official news so far but i just saw them on social media and i thought i would cover them because why the hell not why the hell not why the hell bloody not so that has been it for the Agassino Zinga show episode number i think i said six what did i say seven six five or something or seven three six or whatever episode it is i think it's seven three six it should be seven three six um thank you so much for tuning in it's been a pleasure to have your company um if you are watching this show live make sure you smash the like button down below before you leave that'd be greatly appreciated um links to all the things i'll be talking about no links are not links to my social media will be in this fucking description um if you want the links to what i'm talking about please go over to the podcast app that you use apple or spotify and you can find links to every story that i kind of covered on there as well um for those of you that have been tuning in live you can see that later on where i obviously upload the audio side of the pod but for those of you who've been tuning in live i appreciate you so much for tuning if you watch listen to the podcast via the audio side of things you'll hear my tune of the day my tune of the day should be playing underneath my voice and if you're watching the show and you want to know what my tune of the day is my tune of the day is tanny and bad bunny and the song is called mojabi ghost so my tune of the day is tanny and bad bunny tune is called mojabi ghost and i'm gonna sign out with that see you soon guys thank you for listening and hanging out and i'll see you again very soon Peace out, peace out.
Los millones no aguantan el llanto De cuando me siento solo en mi cuarto De cuando el balcón no se siente tan alto Todos quieren la fama, todos quieren el cuarto Y yo ¿Qué cambiaría la gloria y mi riqueza? Solo por saber cómo es que tú vas a Voy a sacarte un día de mi casa Ay, ay Pichando y dando palos como Tony Soy friendly El amigo en el peño de todos los canis Lamborghini en PR, el juguete en Miami Campeón canta mi hermano a los Yanni Domingo te franquico, tú no vas el tanning Ay, tú no vas el tanning Las gente ya brillan de noche Y se esconden de día Ay, tú vas hablando de mí Sin saber mi biografía En la vida todo se puede No me da 